You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, I think Chris and I are both looking forward to the end of 2015. It was a difficult year for a lot of us, but more so for Chris because of, unfortunately, the untimely passing of his brother and the fact that you briefly flatlined, basically, right? Yeah, I hadn't really uh, mentioned that uh, before uh, on the show, but I battled uh, respiratory. I think a respiratory virus, uh, the doctors really don't know what it is. I'm pretty sure I caught it seven years ago up at the... uh, Zuni Reservation at the Shalako Ceremony. It was a ceremonial room, 80 plus degrees, little babies sick, everybody was sick. It was five below outside, the steam was boiling out of the room when the door opened and it was just a germ. There was primordial bugs in there that I don't think have ever <laughs> left Zuni. And, you know, I, I got sick for three months uh, after that and it went to f- three, you know, antibiotic things and it never really did it just kind of faded away, and I, I just I never really felt like I had kicked it. It just kind of went dormant. And then this last last year, actually, it started at the uh, UFO Congress. Uh, I spent four hours uh, celebrating the EB Awards uh, win by by Ron James and Jennifer Stein, and I was in this smoky casino, and I had quit smoking for two months. And then right after that, that respiratory thing came back with a vengeance, and. When I went up to my my brother's uh, memorial the first week of May, I really shouldn't have gone. I had a speaking engagement at uh, Adams State College, and I was bringing the gear to the new base station location, so I, I, I just couldn't cancel. Plus, you know, my brother's memorial was going on up there in Crestone. And so I went up to 9,000 feet, and my O2 saturation level was, well, the doctors told me later that I shouldn't have been conscious, that I was in the in the low 70s, and you should be a minimum of 90 and um, at one point, uh, the day before my speaking engagement, uh, my lungs, you know, for a fifth time, actually, uh, locked up. And I was unable to get any slack to get the albuterol in me, and uh, I died. I was out for, they don't really know, but somewhere around two to five minutes. And it's just a miracle that I survived. The EMTs said I was blue, and my lips were black. And they thought, it, the head EMT said, it looked like I'd been buried for three days. And they they started working on me. They didn't think they were going to bring me back. <laughs> and I woke up and started flailing, and they tried to keep me down, and I was going to punch them out if they didn't let me sit up. And and they were just amazed that I uh, I survived. And uh, I've been having, you know, some weird headaches and, you know, I think, you know, some kind of strange lingering after effects from it, uh, weird dreams. Now, uh, I just really notice a, a big difference. Low-grade headache that almost never goes away. It's always there. And it's just been a really rough year. I mean, it's, what bums me out the most is, you know, when I came to and they said you were dead, I thought, well, where was my tunnel of light? And, you know, where was my brother uh, with a cold one saying, come on, bro, let's party? You know, I, I had none of that. You don't then recall anything during no, this time? No, I don't. I just went sure. black, and the next thing I know, uh, there was lights, light in my eye. Uh, a friend was massaging my feet, and another friend was uh, had been trying to, you know, resuscitate me, you know, with mouth to mouth, and and it was like uh, it was like instantaneous. You know, I went out, and then I came back, and and it, it, there were several minutes there where I was gone, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, all these people, Daniel Brinkley, and 
all these people with these NDE experiences and stuff, and they write books and have whole careers. Man, I got I got burned. You know, I died and then have nothing to report. <laughs> Does it make you more skeptical of people who report remembering something when they were briefly uh, dead? No, no, it doesn't. You know, one of the things that that I kind of reconciled the experience uh, with was was the fact that obviously I wasn't meant to go, and uh, so. I guess uh, the universe didn't send me any temptation to linger longer and maybe permanently in that particular state. So it it, it doesn't really make me more skeptical. I I, I could see the potential of having uh, a tunnel of light. The tunnel of light I experienced was a flashlight uh, trying to ascertain if my pupils would die, <laughs> would would pin if they put light in them. Uh, so that was my tunnel of light. Was a uh, pen light in my eyes. Um, no, it doesn't make me more skeptical. Uh, it, it makes me a little bit more uh, circumspect about, uh, you know, the sanctity of, you know, conscious uh, life. And and I don't plan on traveling up to 10,000 feet when I'm, I'm barely getting enough saturation in my lungs to be conscious. Uh, that was not a good decision on my part. But, you know, I rolled the dice and almost lost and broke broke even on the craps table <laughs> uh, with a little bit of a downside with the, uh, with the you know, new kind of types of weird kind of center of my brain, you know, just l- super low grade. I don't know, just kind of a – it's not really a headache. It's just, it's just kind of a low throbbing that, that I can feel. Um, but since then, you know, I've been, I've been doing good and I'm really looking forward to a productive new year. I'm, I've got lots of, uh, plans. Um, obviously the, the San Luis Valley uh, camera project is now going to be super front burner for the next couple, couple, three months. I really need to get this going and dovetail efforts with, uh, with Leslie Keene and Mark Rodiger possibly and, and, uh, and Douglas Trumbull and, and Mark D'Antonio. I'm, I'm really excited about the progress that, that seems to be being made in, in people's, uh, approaches to taking, you know, scientific uh, ufology to the next level. I really have a sense that that really is going to be, it, unless this happens, um, I, I really see the field dying with the generation of uh, conference attendees that are averaging up there in the 60s and 70s now. Uh, unless something happens that attracts new blood to the field, uh, there is not going to be a field. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, pop culture uh, assumptions going on, and and uh, and more and more people are going to you know become interested in the field. I think with the new X Files reboot, and I think it's going to unfortunately be totally based on an erroneous pop culture perception of the phenomenon, and it's it's not going to do the field of scientific ufology one bit of good. To have a lot of uneducated people uh, allowing the media and the internet to be their educational process when it comes to, um, you know, getting up to speed on what this whole uh, mystery is about. And, you know, we're going to talk, I'm sure, uh, with Micah today about that. But but I really f- I feel that it, unless something happens in these next two years, uh, Greg Bishop's uh, <laughs> idealized view of the thing being – Totally stripped away and having to start from scratch. I think that's going to be the, uh, you know, the the end result if uh, if these uh, new hard data uh, monitoring efforts don't pan out. So um, I'm going to make my best efforts to to get this thing uh, to the next level. And 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 I'm a team player, and I really would like to uh, to be involved 
and have others involved and, and network this whole thing properly. Now, as Chris mentioned, we have Micah Hanks waiting in the wings to talk about the situation. We're going to talk about the state of paranormal research. We're going to talk about what can be done to keep things going, what can be done to attract younger people, not just to look at it as pop culture, like we look at Star Wars, the new Star Wars film as pop culture. Nothing to take seriously. And if they don't take it seriously, they don't become the new generation of UFO and paranormal researchers, and thus things get a lot worse than they are now. Just briefly, we have a few seconds left in this segment. Did you enjoy the new Star Wars film? I did. You know, it's it was very predictable. You know, it was real obvious. I think the plot twists were, were pretty, uh, they telegraphed them uh, a little bit too much. The, of course, the special effects were just jaw-dropping. I wanted to see it in 3D, but I, I the timing of, uh, you know, the 3D showings didn't conform to, you know, my trip down to Phoenix. So I saw it in just standard standard 2D, but I did like it. I thought um, I thought the new characters have potential, and, and it was fun seeing uh, Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford and, you know, a brief, uh, you know, look at Mark Hamill. Uh, We're not going to re- repeat what Mark Hamill said in the film. No, we won't. Absolutely not. No, no, because we don't no, want to be the spoiler about which character will not be in episode eight. We've got Micah Hanks coming along with Gene and Chris. You're in. The Paracast. I know that a lot of our listeners are interested in UFOs, the issue of giant skeletons found in America, paranormal investigations, and what the top researchers think about such topics. One online magazine has been presenting such unusual information since 1985. It is Alternate Perceptions Magazine at apmagazine.info. Use their search function to find articles on just about every topic imaginable. That's apmagazine.info. Info. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TechNightOwl for a special discount. 911, what is your emergency? There's somebody in my house. Hurry, please. A home break-in happens every 22 seconds. Homes without a security system are up to three times more vulnerable to a burglary. That's why there's Simply Safe. In an emergency, our advanced wireless technology alerts police up to 10 times faster. And your connection to emergency services can't be cut because Simply Safe doesn't rely on landlines. Simply Safe costs less than half what traditional companies charge, just $14.99 a month, and there's no commitment to an annual contract. Protect your family with the highest caliber security go now to simplysafedefense.com and get 10 percent off with free shipping and a three-year warranty hurry and you'll also receive a keychain remote worth 25 dollars try simply safe for a full 60 days you'll feel confident that your family is safe or your money back go to simplysafedefense.com right now simplysafedefense.com 
so you've got to take a state construction license exam or certification. Can't decide on what books or what chapters to study? Discover right now how you can eliminate unnecessary books and wasted study time. At ContractorExam.com, our study materials zero in on state-required test topics in an effective, multiple-choice format. So whether you're a plumber, electrician, general contractor, or other construction-related trade, ContractorExam.com will help get you prepared. Visit us at www.ContractorExam.com today. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call a place for mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. We use mobile devices right against our bodies every day, but growing scientific evidence has emerged showing serious health risks associated with exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The solution is Defender Shield, the most effective mobile radiation shielding ever developed. Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation from cell phones, tablets, and laptops and starts at just $64.99. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. For 10% off, use promo code GCN. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in mobile radiation shielding. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Micah Hanks of the Graylian Report returns to the Paracast. We're going to do kind of a year-ender, a year-beginner look at the state of UFO and paranormal research. But now, before we do anything else, Micah, I understand you did see, or saw it you did, Star Wars, uh, The Force Awakening, and all that stuff. What was your take? Good it was. (laughs) was. It was a great film. Understand, folks, if you haven't seen Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Yoda is already dead several episodes earlier. He is not in this film. Or in this film, he's not, or something like that. Right. <laughs> yeah, so that doesn't qualify as a spoiler. You know, that's the, the big thing these days is, uh, in addition to the, the interest and the, and the uh, you know, the fandom, uh, you know, the passion for science fiction that we have, and it's important, and we can look at why here in a moment, but, but I'll say this. There's also an increasing concern among fandom about the release of spoilers, and I think that it's really been heightened by social media. Back in the old days, you know, you could choose whether you went to the store and you know bought a copy of a magazine or you know a newspaper. And, you know, if you saw a headline, you could choose more or less whether you wanted to read that. But in this internet day and age, uh, there's stuff coming down your Twitter feed. There's stuff coming up on Facebook. Stuff coming up in your email. It's much more easy to be accidentally exposed to the uh, the dreaded spoilers. So uh, you know we we can stay in the no spoiler zone, and I can still maintain it was a a really good film. And for me personally, I thought it was 
obviously better than the uh, the prequels, uh, at least as good as the original three in a modern context, you know, with all the, the modern special effects. Uh, it wasn't supposed to have as much CGI, and yet I thought it had more probably than it needed. But then again, you're just going to have that in movies today. But on, on the whole, it was a really great film. Now, we saw the 3D version, Grayson and I, and the reason was kind of the same reason that Chris didn't, which is we wanted to see the film. And the one screen that was available was the 3D. There was only 42% of the seats were filled. They give you all that information before you enter. And the next non-3D film was 40 minutes later. And since it was Grayson's Treat, I said, you want to do 3D? The only thing is here, to be blunt about it, there's nothing in the film that lives or dies for the presence of 3D, in my opinion. Whether or not you see it in 3D is your decision. 3D tends to be a little dimmer. The colors tend to be less vivid. That's part of the process. But otherwise, don't worry about it. I don't, don't even think it's worth seeing in IMAX, but it is a pretty good film. There's nothing really unique there. And the only thing close to a spoiler I'll mention, because everybody has said so already. So cover your ears is a very minor spoiler. And that is, you know, when you look at... Star Wars, it's all basically the story of one family, okay, beginning with Anakin Skywalker and his son and daughter, Princess Leia, Luke Skywalker. And of course, Princess Leia gets together with Han Solo. And the only thing we'll tell you is they have a son. That's all we'll say. But this is a very dysfunctional family, you have to think. There's no <laughs> peace for them. I mean, look at it from beginning to end. The father... The son, the daughter, another generation. Where are there good people? Of course, there's a possibility there's another child involved, but we don't know because we may not know that answer until the next film. That's one of the new stars. We don't know yet. Yeah, they're kind of remaining mum on a lot of that. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll point out also, uh, with regard to that kind of intergalactic uh, dysfunction that the family uh, suffers, you know, from generation to generation. One question would be, of course, do the Metachlorians have anything to do with that? Because going back to the first films, and we'll get, you know, slightly geek chic here, uh, <laughs> there was a lot of speculation. And, and, and some of this coming back around to the new film as well, but back in the old ones, uh, really, what was the true origin of Anakin Skywalker? It was, it was very much a virgin birth. And uh, the idea had been that there may have been uh, you know this 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 pureness that the, the 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 force was so strong and the metachlorians actually led to the the pregnancy of uh, what was his mother's name Padme I think maybe and um, and uh, then there's this other idea which seems far more likely because it seems to be inferred I think in the I believe it was in the third prequel film that uh, the Sith themselves may have actually orchestrated uh, the birth of of Anakin Skywalker and that all of this would play into the metachlorians and the idea that really this one character would restore balance to the force. But if that's what the result of the ending of the sixth film, which was actually the third film return of the Jedi uh, has where Vader comes back to the good uh, into the force. And he of course restores balance to the force and fulfills the prophecy. If that is the case, then what will happen in the next three films that the rest if the restoration of the balance to the Force occurred, are we going to see another offset? And I do know that they've said of the upcoming two films, eight and nine, that I believe Rian Johnson will be directing. Of course, they, they haven't released any information. There's very little more than pure, unbridled speculation 
right now about those films. But the one thing that people are saying is that it's going to get really weird. They felt that this new film, The Force Awakens, would in a sense restore balance to the Force after the the prequels, which which really were kind of um, regarded as being lackluster and, and certainly not living up to the potential of filmmaking with the kind of budget that Lucas had with the making of those films. He went a little too far down the rabbit hole when it came to the digital stuff and you know, CG uh, backgrounds and, and, and all of this. I mean, there, there wasn't enough of that gritty, grainy realism that the first films possessed. We got back to that with, with episode uh, seven and that the next two films, in addition to, uh, you know, kind of continuing the story, they're going to be a bit of a departure because with number seven, restoring the balance among fandom and getting back to that kind of an old feel that episodes four, five, and six have. Uh, now that we've kind of cleared our throats, so to speak, I think the, uh, uh, which was it was one of the UK tabloids had uh, referred to this process as the throat clearing made by Disney, new owners of the franchise. Now, episodes eight and nine, in addition to fulfilling this story, it's really going to get weird. And they say it'll take, play, uh, take things into a direction where nothing has ever been taken before. But, I, but I'll close with this. There, there was an interview that took place, and I mentioned this the other night on the Grayling Report podcast, in, in no way a spoiler, by the way, this this is something that was mentioned back in the 1980s at the time of the release of Return of the Jedi. Uh, but the director of the film had said that uh, talking with George Lucas about the continuation of the series, that he said, we've, we've made episodes four, five, and six. Eventually, we'd go back and make one, two, and three. And if seven, eight, and nine are made, with the conclusion of the entire nine films that Lucas envisions, we would see the great intelligence is how he put it. And the great intelligence being whatever the mastermind working behind the scenes and controlling all the elements of the dark side have been. And whether, of course, the heroes can rise to the occasion of truly restoring the balance to the force and reclaiming that from the Empire in its many manifestations. So it'll be interesting to see where things go, but it's probably going to be in equal measure better than anything we've seen yet and yet unlike Star Wars that we've seen previously. Now, just to point out as a reality check, George Lucas had nothing to do with the new film nor the subsequent films. He sold the company lock, stock, and barrel. On the other hand, there is one interview where he expresses disappointment that J.J. Abrams kind of did a bit of a retread of Episode 4 in Episode 7, kind of covering similar ground with different characters. That's just a point to mention, but we'll get into more of that in a moment. We've got Micah Hanks joining us with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Get on board with the tax admiral. Don't pick on the IRS alone. I'll cut penalties and reduce your overall tax bill. Sometimes I can even get it zeroed out completely. We're an A-rated company helping people clean up their mess with the IRS. If you owe $10,000 or more, then call the tax admiral. Call 800-287-7180. Again, that's 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180. 
Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Did you know that home break-ins increase more than 100% during the holidays? It takes just 10 seconds for an intruder to kick in your door. But police response to a home alarm system is more than 20 minutes. And intruders are in and out of your home in 5 minutes. Thieves know that you're not home and have presents inside just waiting to be taken. And if you are home, how safe will you feel with an intruder lurking inside with your family? That's why police across the country are recommending you use door armor. Proven to withstand the force of a battering ram, door armor keeps intruders out. It's easy to install and barely visible, and your door armor is guaranteed for life. Go to InvasionStopper.com for a very special buy one, get one at half off deal. These savings are for a limited time and only available to GCN listeners. Protect your valuables and loved ones this holiday season. Go to InvasionStopper.com now. That's InvasionStopper.com. Are your Google search results killing you? Unflattering content in blogs, news articles, online reviews, social media, or other sources can jeopardize your reputation, your business, and your livelihood. Let Reputation.com help. Our patented technology will make the truth about you more visible while pushing down unwanted negative content. Improve your Google search results. Call Reputation.com at 1-800-831-0771 for a free consultation. That's 800-831-0771. Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Now, we would be remiss in our duty 
not to mention the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.thepowercast.com, plus.thepowercast.com. Yes, the video is coming. Chris is sending me the unfiltered copy so we can try better ways to encode it so that when you look at it, you get decent quality without it saturating all your bandwidth. So it's complicated. We'll get it done. But we have the ad-free version of this show where we kill 41 minutes of network ads. We have the After the Paracast podcast. We've got some show transcripts showing up, more to come. It's a month-to-month annual five-year or lifetime subscription rate. And we keep the price low. So if you want to learn more, go to plus.theparacast.com, P-L-U-S dot theparacast.com. We were talking about Star Wars because there's a big mythos involving that series. So you got my point, Micah, that George Lucas supposedly would not have done it the way it was done if he had any authority. What's your take? (laughs) I'm sure he wouldn't have done things the way that J.J. Abrams uh, and after him, Rian Johnson will do the uh, the next two uh, films in this in this uh, final three installments of Star Wars. I do understand that, of course, uh, Lucas is still something of a technical advisor. But having sold the franchise, obviously, he is no longer the final word on anything. I'm certain that the general outline of what Lucas had envisioned will play out in these films. But there are going to be certain elements. There are going to be certain uh, incidents that will occur throughout the films that probably Lucas would not have uh, endorsed or carried out himself. And that's just part of the, uh, the passing of the torch uh, when it comes to uh, you know, the inner workings of Hollywood and the business side of things, although there's an interesting myth- uh, mythological counterpart to that, I find. And it's good to bring this up, really important to bring this up, guys, because like you said, Gene, the mythos surrounding Star Wars, it was very inspired by mythology. Uh, Lucas was always a fan of Joseph Campbell. Those final interviews that were carried out for the PBS series The Power of Myth just about a year before Campbell died, I think were actually filmed there at Skywalker Ranch. And uh, it's important to remember the influence that not only mythologist Joseph Campbell and his work had on Lucas, but also just the idea of the recurring hero motif that goes all the way back to ancient hermetic traditions. It's something that is really mirrored in a lot of uh, world cultures, traditions, religions, and the mythologies, and the stories of the great hero, the rise, the fall, you know, sometimes the rebirth of the hero. We see all these elements repeated in Star Wars, and so one thing that apparently Lucas had always liked was the idea of a rhythmic or almost a literal rhyme, you know, a rhythm that you could sense with the films. And so the fact that Episode Seven, as he interestingly points out, he didn't like the, the ways that it, that it mirrored the fourth film. Many people have made that observation. To an extent, that was intentional in keeping with this rhythmic sense that the films have. You know, Episode One, uh, the Phantom Menace, I believe. Uh, this this film had a, a somewhat similar, not maybe to the extent that number seven does, but a somewhat similar sense of rhythm to episode four. Now episode seven repeats that just as well, which is uh, to me almost reminiscent of the the ancient uh, ballads and of course the uh, the epic poems, the Odyssey and whatnot, and, and, and any number of countless uh, examples that, that that come from different cultures and ancient tr- traditions. We we see a lot of these components that are mirrored in the actual filmmaking, and while Lucas may not like that, interestingly, it seems to be somewhat an intention of his own that these films would mirror one another in that sense. Now, the other criticism we can make of J.J. Abrams is that he's very good or bad about retreading, and the argument relates to the film Star Trek Into Darkness, where they retread Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan in some level. All right. That's another example. There was an argument in Forbes magazine over all this, Micah, where one person was saying that 
the important thing about this is that the film was more realistic showing, without doing anything about a spoiler, that after episode six, things were not just tidied up. They didn't have a happily ever after conclusion. Things didn't work out as much as you wanted, which is the point of the relationship between Han Solo and Leia. It wasn't just all sweetness and light. Nobody in this film seems to be getting any respite <laughs> from all the things. But again, the new stars are pretty good. The new two young British stars, 23 years old each. Oh, wow. I have to say, it's actually incredible how good they are and, and how well they are able to perform in, the, in this new film. It's very important, and I don't think that we, we got this with the prequels. To an extent, what we had with the prequels was, unlike uh, episode four, five, and six, we had relative newcomers. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think that uh, apart from some, some you know, <laughs> actually remarkably lesser roles, we're talking about, uh, you know, bit parts in films, uh, you know, commercials and things like that, uh, there hadn't really been a real serious breakthrough role either for Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, uh, or for uh, Harrison Ford and and some of the well, other. Well, Harrison Ford, of course, had Indiana Jones. I don't think the first Indiana Jones preceded the first Star Wars, though, did it? No, it did not. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is you know, it was kind of that that breakthrough role for him. Now he would go on after Star Wars, of course, to do uh, Indiana Jones, which I think maybe, uh, I think maybe that Harrison, at very least, probably enjoyed that character more than he did Han Solo. He's pretty he's pretty close on. On, on, on the mark when he says he didn't think that Han Solo was the best representation of his acting prowess. And I think that, frankly, some of the Tom Clancy uh, films that he did after that, Patriot Games and whatnot, probably were even better roles for the older, more serious Harrison Ford. But either way, again, those early Star Wars films featured these actors in these roles where they were able to kind of break through and there wasn't already some sort of a kind of a, a public uh, cultural... I don't know what would you call it. I mean, an attitude toward them based on their prior roles. So, so it was a very believable element in the Star Wars films where these characters, relative newcomers, the actors themselves actually were, believably conveyed these parts. When we went back and saw the prequels, what we ended up having a lot of was we had uh, you know, well-known, well-established actors who were coming into these roles of these already now mythical characters themselves, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And, and, and the like. And so when you see relatively well-known actors coming into these roles, I think that the, in, in a sense, the sub suspension of disbelief is diminished somewhat among yeah, the audience. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Let me just point out a couple of things here. One of the stars of the prequel, Hayden Christensen, left Hollywood pretty much after a few years. He just gave it up. Although I understand he's getting back into the business now. In terms of careers, Carrie Fisher's didn't go much of anywhere in terms of movie stardom. Mark Hamill became a pretty regular, reliable character actor, did a lot of voiceovers. And you see him on The Flash now, where he plays the trickster, Chris. Kind of a wacky comic book villain. Okay. But I thought I mentioned the trickster because of you. But that's what's happened to him. So really, Harrison Ford is the one who had a real career, a constant movie career as an A-list actor. And I should point out one thing also. When he was playing the Tom Clancy role in the Tom Clancy films, I talked to Tom Clancy 
when he was doing that, and he was totally unimpressed with Harrison Ford, said the guy was dumb. Really? That's what he told me. Tom Clancy never minced words. I met him in the 90s. He used to show up at the Mac World Expos. And I once helped him with some problem with his CD drive on his Mac. But Clear and Present Danger, Patriot Games, Harrison Ford, didn't like it that much okay, at all. But question then, did he prefer in any way uh, The Hunt for Red October and Alec Baldwin's portrayal of the character? Yeah, or Ben Affleck in... Uh, yeah. Or the years. current remake with Chris Pine. Right. Did he prefer any of those? I mean, well, he didn't mention Chris Pine because that happened after his death, I think. As far as the others, no, he did not. I got the impression maybe he would have liked Alec Baldwin, but Alec Baldwin didn't want to become an action hero. He also played The Shadow, if we remember. A lot of people didn't like that film. I liked it. But Alec Baldwin, I thought, was a proper shadow, a proper dark character. He's also stars in the current... Mission Impossible film with Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. That's kind of a romp. I kind of like that film. Let's get away from that, okay? We've got more to cover with Micah Hanks of the Graylian Report with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Conspiracy Journal is your number one source for the hidden world of the weird and strange. We bring you thought-provoking and controversial material for free-thinking individuals who are seeking what is really going on in our world today. Some of this material may adversely affect you. Other pieces are meant to enlighten. Either way, be prepared to be intrigued by such things as the reality of UFOs, ghosts, strange creatures from time and space, hidden conspiracies, time travel, Nikola Tesla, suppressed technology, and a whole lot more. You can find out more by visiting our website at conspiracyjournal.com. There you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter sent directly to your email address. Find out what they don't want you to know. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Just recently, we've witnessed some of the most catastrophic disasters in history. Be sure to prepare yourself with great-tasting, high-quality, GMO-free food that has a 25-year shelf life. Of course, we're talking about the foods from SurvivalFoodAlliance.com. And don't forget, the human body needs up to three quarts of water every day to remain healthy and hydrated. So check out our water bricks at SurvivalFoodAlliance.com. Go to SurvivalFoodAlliance.com or call 877-223-1776. Hi, I'm Rick Osick with Famous Footwear. Did you know that premature birth is the number one killer of babies? That's why we support the March of Dimes in the fight against premature birth. Join us in supporting cutting-edge research, 
treatment programs, and outreach to help moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Learn how you can help save babies' lives at marchofdimes.org. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Go to GCNteam.com or call 855-GCN-MALL. That's 855-426-6255. GCNteam.com or 855-426-6255. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. This is Dan Pillett. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Hi, this is Joshua P. Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal, and you're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Micah Hanks joining us. We started with pop culture, the influence of Star Wars, and we kind of went into some other areas. I guess Star Wars being the ultimate dysfunctional family, which influences so much, by the way, TV and movies like, believe it or not, this new Sunny and Light Supergirls series on CBS. Dysfunctional family. Two of the major villains, her aunt and her uncle from Krypton. Well, it just seems to be a reoccurring motif. How about the uh, dysfunctional partnership that's uh, getting rebooted here this uh Coming January, uh, well, actually this month, with uh, David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson. Uh, I wonder if we're going to see the same incredible upwelling of interest in the paranormal and U- UFOs that we saw in 92, I think, when the original came out. What do you think, Micah? Uh, well, I think, uh, if nothing else, it's going to be a continuation. With a lot of the sci-fi that we're seeing right now, rather than being new and innovative, what we're seeing is the continuation of the old, I mean, that with the X-Files, that with the reboot of Twin Peaks, that with, of course, the Star Wars continuation, that with actually the continuation of Doctor Who, that with uh, Star Trek and the J.J. Abrams editions. I mean, we, we, we are seeing more and more the kind of rehashing and revamping modernization of these classic sci-fi motifs. I think really what I would like to see would be something that would set a new precedent that would influence culture in a different way. Maybe it won't have an effect on the ufological community like X-Files did back in the 90s, but I think that there are other areas of interest that could be spurred and maybe should be if the proper kind of science fiction and fantasy could be implemented. But that just seems to be the case is that I don't know if it was the time and the era during which Star Trek emerged on the scene and then the time and the era 
in terms of American cinema that Star Wars, not just America, of course, knowing that there were fine British actors in the film as well, but that cinema really had reached. Have we gotten to a point to a new milestone? And I know that you wanted to get away from cinema, but it is important, I think, to talk about this in the sense that how it actually affects the culture, and in this case, you know, UFO or mysteries, whatever. But has cinema reached a new state of uh, state of the art that it is more difficult to set that groundbreaking kind of precedent that the old films did? And what effect will that have? Uh, it seems, if anything, I don't think that necessarily interest in the unexplained is diminishing, but it's a recurring theme. Talk about mythos and myths and, and motifs that we uh, address on this show when I come on with you guys. We're always talking about, is there a lessening interest in UFOs, especially among younger people? If, the, if that's the case, could it be that the way that pop culture is rehashing rather than innovating and setting new precedents, has that had some sort of, of an effect? I couldn't tell you if it has, but I mean, because again, causation doesn't necessarily equal correlation, but, but we certainly do seem to see uh, each of these things happening. Well, before we go on, another area of retread is comic books. So there is a video, I think, on YouTube where you see all the people who played Superman. They've constantly reboot Superman. They reboot Batman a few times. They brought The Flash on TV twice for one season in 1990 and now again on The CW. And the guy who played The Flash then, John Wesley Shipp, plays The Flash's father now. That's another thing they do, by the way. To pay recognition to the past in these new versions of comic book stories, they find the original players. Like in Supergirl, Dean Cain from Lois and Clark, New Adventures of Superman, and Helen Slater, who played Supergirl in an unsuccessful movie, plays the foster parents of the current Supergirl, always bringing back these old characters. Mark Hamill's trickster was in the original Flash on TV in 1990 and is back in the new version playing the same character. So it is retread upon retread. It's not only in, in science fiction, though, Gene. It's what, everywhere. What well, what we're seeing is they're trying to bring back, you know, they, they attempted to bring back Starsky and Hutch and, and uh, Charlie's Angels. And I think what you're seeing is the investors, people that put up, you know, these tens and sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars are real reluctant to go with new writers, new scenarios, new uh, you know, uh, creative ideas because of the risk involved. And so what they're thinking is, well, these worked in the past, so let's try to reboot them now. And I think basically that's uh, a function of a reluctance uh, to acknowledge and get behind new and creative ideas. And, and I think it's it's the conservatism of the actual funding of these of these films and underwriting these films that's driving a lot of this reboot sort of thing that we've been seeing over the past 10 years. And, and, and that, to me, uh, indicates a distrust of a new creative talent, new creative ideas, and, and people's reluctance to, to gamble on you know, things that uh, haven't worked yet because they're new. The other sense. thing is here is they try to bring back TV characters in movies. And most times, they fail. Look at the examples. I Spy. Now, remember, that was Bill Cosby and Robert Culp back in the 60s when people liked Bill Cosby. <laughs> they bring him back where Eddie Murphy plays the Bill Cosby character. And they didn't have a single clue about the great rapport that Culp and Cosby had in the original I Spy. They brought the man from UNCLE with Henry Cavill, the guy who plays Superman, and Army Hammer, who plays the Ilya Kuryakin role that originally was played by David McCallum, who's currently on NCIS, by the way. 
And I thought that film, by the way, was pretty decent, but it didn't make back its investment. It was directed by the guy who brought Sherlock Holmes in the movies. On TV, bringing back a series, mixed results. The X-Files, we'll see, it's the original cast. They also brought back Hawaii Five-0, and that's done well. That is one of the few rebooted series that actually works. But I agree with you, the lack of creativity. People just want to know what worked, which is part of one of the reasons bringing back Star Wars. Why do you think Disney bought Lucasfilm? To bring something new to the table? No, to recapture the old success and make hay of it. It was a financial decision. Let's find something that is proven, and Star Wars is proven. Let's do that. Disney also bought Marvel. Why? Because Marvel Comics still are popular. Marvel films based on the comics are popular, so they wanted to buy that property. It was a business decision, the tried and the true. You know, hearing both of you guys talk about this brings something sort of different but, but entirely related to mind. Uh, as we see the, um, you know, the, the repurchase, the, you know, the kind of redirection and the rehashing of uh, science fiction and comics and, and you know, films and, and television shows of yesteryear in, in a more modern sense, in a way, although we've kind of lost uh, creativity or rather, I should say we haven't lost it. I guess it's just being kind of redirected into old motifs and the kind of the improvement or at least the expansion of, of older ideas. As much as I would love to see something really new that could set a new kind of precedent, we could ask maybe the same thing about UFO research. Uh, there, there is still so much interest in, for instance, like we might liken Rendlesham to being the Star Wars of UFO cases, you know, taking place at around the same time period. Uh, we could look back at uh, you know Roswell as being kind of the Star Trek, although it preceded the actual airing of Star Trek on television by a number of years. Nonetheless, you know, era for era, there seem there seem to be uh, UFO cases that have kind of maintained the cultural sort of uh, you know staple position, uh, you know, for their era, kind of like these television shows have. And in much the same way, this is interesting because I don't mean to try and assert that there's a correlation here, but it is an interesting uh, element to note. That as we see culture rehashing old sci-fi ideas rather than creating new ones, the UFO community does seem to be doing the same thing. And many researchers, Nick Redfern, I've talked about it a good bit myself, uh, you know, we, we see that there seems to be less and less significant UFO activity in recent years, which would at least be comparable to what we were seeing in the days of APRO and NICAP and, and the UFO research of yesteryear. I mean, could there be some sort of a cultural component underlying some of that. It almost at times, when we, when we take these kind of things into consideration and the way that trends seem to affect research or filmmaking or pop culture or anything, uh, the similarity uh, in the, the wax and wane of interest and, and, and redirection of energy and, and, and inspiration, it, it almost seems to be unavoidable at times. And I can't help but think that maybe the kind of trends we're seeing in filmmaking with regard to science fiction and fantasy, do in some way have something to do with the changing attitudes about UFOs in recent years. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a really good point. And it also is a perfect place to dovetail into a question from Ron Away, who posted a question for our guest Micah Hanks here at forum.theparacast.com. And he's saying, Roswell, Rendlesham, Travis Walton have been done to death. Are there any recent UFO or paranormal events that are receiving serious scientific open-minded scrutiny on par with our old favorites? Well, how funny. <laughs> you know uh, what? We're just about out of time for the segment, so let's hold that for a few seconds. And we'll give our benefactors a chance to regale us with information about the things they do. And when we come back, 
Micah Hanks will answer the first question from our listeners. There are more questions to be asked. We're wrapping up the year, starting a new year, trying to see where things fit after kind of a difficult year for Chris, certainly, and a difficult year for me. We've got to see where it's going. Micah Hanks, Gene Steinberg, Chris O'Brien, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich, working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? Do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare, having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. At Be The Boss Network, you'll find hundreds of work-from-home opportunities that you can literally start today and be earning money as soon as next week. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss. Get out of the rat race. Work from home. Go to freedom106.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number 106.com. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom106.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. You see, we just kind of suck our guests into saying that. Chris asked a question, Micah Hanks. A response? Chris, would you mind kind of restating that question just so that we can state it? Well, quick? basically, uh, we were talking about how there seems to be a parallel between cultural uh, memes and uh, the ebon- in science fiction, especially in the ebony and flowing of, of ufology. And you were likening cases to, uh, uh, to TV shows and movies in the sci-fi realm. And Ron Away wants to know if there's any paranormal events currently and or recently that are receiving any serious scientific open-minded scrutiny on par with our old favorites, Rendlesham, Roswell, Travis Walton, uh, as he says, that have been done to death. Excellent. Yeah, and thank you again for restating that question. Uh, now, again, in response to it, at least from my perspective, uh, it, it's it's a weird state of affairs right now uh, with regard to UFO research. I will say that um, I, I'm not a member of the Mutual UFO Network, 
that is the uh, the current standing uh, and, and broadest reaching civilian UFO research group. Now, there are other organizations that have absolutely been interested in UFO research, as we've discussed a good bit on this program, and you guys have in the past with James Carrion on the program, especially in relation to uh, the, the involvement of Robert Bigelow and his, uh, his organization, which has looked into this over the years. They're a little less forthcoming with uh, some of their data, although there have certainly been public reports been issued on such things as these famous black triangles. Well, actually, I should say, in, in fairness, really, MUFON, although a public organization and, and releasing a lot of their case files and whatnot online, there is also a lot that is kept exclusive to MUFON membership and even certain tiers of MUFON membership. Uh, we don't have to get all into the nitty-gritty about that, but I do know Why that- don't you be brief about it so listeners understand? Sure. Best illustrated in, in example. I have a, um, a friend uh, who I've been talking with who is a uh, very good UFO researcher, in my opinion, and uh, he had uh, expressed to me uh, a little bit of dissatisfaction about the fact that he was trying to gain access to particular files related to a case. I, I'll go ahead and mention the case. It was actually uh, covered very in-depth on this program once. It was the Cash Landrum UFO incident from around Dayton, Texas, uh, back in 1980, which occurred within just a few days of the Rendlesham encounter near Suffolk in, in England. But uh, the uh, the incident in question, uh, there are MUFON files because John, because John Schusler, of course, had been one of the primary investigators of that case at the time. Uh, the problem is is that the individual who's researching that case, although a member of MUFON, has said he has somewhat seen a bit of stonewalling in terms of trying to get access to certain files. Now, as has been explained to me by different directors, state directors, and, and members of the organization, of course, uh, it's not necessarily an exclusivity, but it seems to be, I guess, a chain of prioritization. Again, this coming from a non-member in terms of how those files are accessed and to whom access is given. And I guess any organization to an extent is going to kind of keep those kind of records. But I guess the problem that we face is that many people say if we're really going to come to any kind of scientific consensus about UFOs, coming back to the question that that, uh, that uh, Chris brought to the table, of course, we're generalizing here because on the whole, what I think really UFO research today seems to be doing more of, rather than a, a close scrutiny of these, wow, incredible Rendlesham or roswell-esque kind of cases it seems to be that it's been an accumulation of data on you know smaller lesser significant cases which certain groups are now trying to take and and hopefully utilize for statistical analysis and also uh, of of you know coming determination uh, coming to determinations of the broader nature of the phenomena as jacques valet described who's going to be speaking at the international ufo congress this february very excited to hear about that uh, but valet had discussed this on a coast-to-coast interview with george knapp uh, during an event that he attended in France uh, sometime, I suppose, last year, uh, in which it is the hope of the international UFO community, the French investigative group, Gaypan, I suppose, and and others, to try and use data that we have now to come to determination. So I guess as far as cases that are being given that kind of attention, we don't seem to see it as much today, but I guess the broader UFO phenomena, at least internationally is being treated in terms of collection of data and statistical analysis of that information. We've been seeing it in South America as well. Yeah. Yeah. Transparency, I think, uh, is a major issue that's always been a bit of a fly in the ointment with the advent of more transparency, especially, as you mentioned, down in South America. I think if this trend continues, obviously, it's going to put more and more pressure on the United States to pony up some um, information that hasn't been uh, released into the public domain. But I think as more and more of these uh, countries open up their files, it's going to, on one hand, 
sort of put more pressure on the U.S. And on another hand, it's going to relieve pressure because people are getting something they didn't have before. And that may be a stopgap measure for the U.S. to continue stringing everybody along. Or conversely, there may be nothing really, you know, I think in total to to release to the public. It's all probably compartmentalized and, and disassociated information you know, if you release it, 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 it out of context, uh, it it doesn't really go very far. So I really hope that we see an upswelling in support and in awareness of a new technologically based efforts uh, into hard data monitoring and true scientific ufology. I think the, the cultural side of this has really created uh, an artificial sense of what the phenomenon a- actually uh, is. I really have a sense that... Uh, you know, we're talking pop culture here. The you know people are getting their education from the internet, from TV shows about uh, about the the UFO subject and other paranormal subjects uh, for that matter. And you know, it, it's not necessarily a good thing. I mean, sure, it's it's opening up the subject matter to a wider uh, variety of people and more people. But I don't really think that the educational process that, that, that the pop culture is giving people is accurately reflects the mystery. And uh, I just hope that we don't get to, a, to a, a point where the pop culture version totally subjugates, uh, you know, the real hard work that's being done, I think, scientifically uh, behind the scenes right now. To an extent, has it done that already? You know, and a question, Chris, that I would have is I can't read a headline anymore and I've, I've always complained about this, and I know you guys would agree. You read anything that has to do with a semi-legitimate UFO case, and uh, it'll always kick off with some really just lame, uh, you know, entry, you know, the nut graph, you know, the, the, the beginning of the article. It, it'll be something like, uh, the truth is out there, at least according to one doctor in Montana who believes he has new photos that are proof of alien life. And I'm thinking, no, it, no. That entire sentence was completely malformed, misshapen. <laughs> it was terrible. I mean, because... <laughs> Again, first, we have to presume, of course, that we're talking about alien life, right? Any proof of anything strange and technological or apparently so in the sky is alien, right? Tell me how that is a logical conclusion that one can come to. Anyway, I, I think that's the sense of disturbance in the force. Are we coming up on a break here, guys? A break not come. <laughs> I'm sorry to sound like Tonto here. Mm, Sabi. <laughs> We not have break come right now. We continue to talk about force disturbance. Okay, and good. The only disturbance in the force is one of logic. <laughs> I just like not to ramble off completely. I, I think I, I come on the show enough with you guys that we have our own sense of rhythm and, and maybe whatever that universal force is, which is one thing I should say. It's really always good to be able to talk with you guys about this. And yet it's sad to me that when we, every time we do get to talk, the three of us, it seems that so many of these problems uh, you know, are, the, are the same issues. And, and really, I feel maybe will be the same issues for some time to come. You know, like Chris saying, you know, we'll the actual serious study of strange things seen in the sky and you know, a phenomena in our skies be subjugated by the pop culture, you know, belief that has been kind of associated with it. The more we discuss this, the more important I realize that the serious considerations as it relates to how pop culture influences serious study of strange phenomena, especially the UFO phenomena, uh, it, it really is becoming more and more important to me. I see because People's attitudes and opinions are often blinded by the kind of pop culture interpretation of, you know, what would contact with alien life be? What would contact with artificial intelligence be like? You know, that one, to me, again, it goes hand in hand with the serious search for extraterrestrial life because either way, whether it be AI of our own creation or alien life from someplace else, we will eventually, and I do think that this is the truth, I don't know when it'll happen, 
But one day, humankind will, without question, come to a point where we are met with an intelligence that is not our own and which may be greater than human intelligence. It could be AI, it could be aliens, but at some point that will happen. And I think that really examination of each of those two is very important. And yet, once again, they're mostly relegated to sci-fi. That's what makes things so difficult here, the entire question. And I just wonder how we prepare for it. In fact, we had somebody on the show a couple of weeks back who did a book about how to talk to an alien, but it really wasn't more involved than talking a bit about channeling and things like that. It really didn't get into the real subject that much. We've got Micah Hanks, who is getting into real subjects with Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. So you've got to take a state construction license exam or certification. Can't decide on what books or what chapters to study? Discover right now how you can eliminate unnecessary books and wasted study time. At ContractorExam.com, our study materials zero in on state-required test topics in an effective, multiple-choice format. So whether you're a plumber, electrician, general contractor, or other construction-related trade, ContractorExam.com will help get you prepared. Visit us at www.ContractorExam.com today. We've had an amazing year here at Supernatural Silver. We've truly enjoyed the fantastic response from thousands of people as they've tried our extraordinary product and we're thrilled at the life-changing results people have. Our company email is continually full of happy, satisfied customers who thank us for the help they've received from Supernatural Silver. This holiday season, as you think of gifts to give your loved ones, consider giving Supernatural Silver a gift that can help provide good health and 
and wellness, a gift that can change lives and make a real difference in a world where we are constantly exposed to dangerous health threats. Give yourself and your loved ones a fighting chance. Give Supernatural Silver. Go to SupernaturalSilver.com and use the promo code HOLIDAY2015 for 20% off. And this holiday season, we wish you and yours the blessings of peace and good health from all of us here at SupernaturalSilver.com. There's one major factor affecting the health of millions, and most people are completely unaware. Acid levels. Soda, meat, dairy, caffeine, and sugar can all lead to elevated acid levels in the body. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops get the body's pH levels back in perfect balance. It's a holistic, natural, and powerful approach that will give you greater health, vitality, and zest for life. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Visit ALKAVision.com. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So we're here. We're starting off the show, which is being heard on the 3rd of January, 2016. And as of February of this year, we'll have done 10 years of the Paracast. And we'll keep doing it till we get it right. Micah Hanks is here. He's not responding to that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. Normally, I guess I'd jump in and try to be boisterous. But I will say, that, by the way, that's uh, you know one heck of a milestone. Congratulations. Here's to 10 more good years of, of fabulous podcasting with one of the shows that I prefer to listen to. And I have the time to listen to podcasts myself. I'll yes. be very old when <laughs> when it's ten years from now. Yes, <laughs> they'll they'll be wheeling me in. <laughs> yeah, but you maintain that youthful quality as you just exemplified. Actually, you know, it was in, it was coinciding with the, the passing of uh, one of the the great icons of yesteryear in ufology, Jim Mosley. When he passed away, I'd contacted Eugene and said, you know, Gene, could you come on and. Uh, and, uh, you know, come on the Grayling Report and, and, and give a, a statement coming from someone who knew Jim pretty well. And I remember as we were getting ready to record, he said, all right, as they would say in, radio, uh, in wrestling, let's get ready to rumble. So you do have that youthful character to you, sir. I'm sure in 10 years you'll, be, you'll still be going strong and, and bringing brilliant points to this sort of discussion. Sort of discussion. We're going to rock and roll. Or as I say it sometimes, we're going to rock and roll. <laughs> See, now, the problem with that voice, it's kind of like making funny faces. My mother used to say, if you keep making funny faces, your face will stick that way. And I think of nowadays Jim Carrey. His face didn't change. So if you if you force the voice too much. You don't want to look like Wolfman Jack because that would be really scary. I just <laughs> like the money he had before he died. That's all. <laughs> Well, here's here's an interesting question uh, for Mike. I, and this kind of goes into a retrospective look back at, at 2015. But Sue, who's been a poster since 2013 at forum.theparacast.com, uh, has posted in the question bank for you. What do you think are the most important theoretical and research trends in ufology and paranormalology? I've never heard that term before. Uh, from 2015. And what should our goals be for 2016? And she goes, uh, she has a couple of follow-up questions uh, after we handle those. Okay, well, since she said, uh, I would prefer maybe phenomenology to paranormalology, but by the same token, if I say phenomenology, I had someone try and actually uh, 
uh, point out that I misused that term on one occasion a few years back. Uh, he was, uh, I think, uh, studying for his bachelor's degree. When I outlined the eight or so different uh, terminal, terminological usage uh, or ways that that term could be used, uh, he then asked if I would actually be willing to give an interview so that he could cite me as a source for the paper he was writing. So I nonetheless uh, maintained that phenomenology, apart from its uh, relevance to such things as philosophy, it would certainly apply to the study of phenomena, as we're discussing here. So, um, and, and since we're talking about that, rather than a ufological uh, innovation or, or breakthrough or, or science being applied to that subject, uh, you know, one, one st- subject that was really important and interesting to me this year which did see a lot of science put to it, uh, was the uh, search for anomalous primates, uh, more specifically Bigfoot Yeti, the Sasquatch. And uh, that was Brian Sykes' DNA uh, analysis, which was extremely, extremely, extremely controversial. It really was. It was, I think, in some ways unnecessarily so, because if we have enough anecdotal data coming from people in all parts of the world that say that they've seen upright walking, humanoid, but far more, uh, you know, I guess I don't want to necessarily always say beastly because I don't think that's always the case, especially with the Almasty and the Urals of Russia. Certain quote-unquote anomalous primates are less like great big hairy monsters, and they act a lot more like simply pre-modern humans, which are not, naturally they're going to be a little more primitive than what we call modern humans today. But nonetheless, they, they are probably more human also than the typical Bigfoot or Sasquatch, according to eyewitness reports. So that said dealing with apparently a variety of different phenomena around the world that fall under that categorization of anomalous primates, I don't see why with all the anecdotal evidence that has been forthcoming, I, you know, witness reports, why science wouldn't step in and say, okay, well, maybe it is time we should start looking at this. Now, the staunch and, uh, and renowned skeptic P.Z. Myers had been one of many who on his blog had attacked Brian Sykes, not only for the study, but for fudging certain results. Part of the result had been that while no anomalous primate evidence in DNA analysis of some 30 samples, I believe, or so, had been found, they did find what they had believed to be evidence of a 400,000-year-old variety of polar bear thought to be extinct. Now, subsequent independent analyses of those samples found dissimilar results, and they felt that it was less likely that Sykes had been correct in his determination about this polar bear, it had been possible that the DNA sample had, uh, had uh, suffered from uh, degradation over a period of approximately one decade, and that this could have been the result of the, the underlying cause for the misinterpretation of the results by Sykes and his team. But, you know, Sykes is no slouch, and he's certainly no fool. I think he was uh, one of the first to actually conduct a, a study of and, and uh, author a paper that had to do with the DNA extraction from ancient bone. He, of course, being you know a, f- a former fellow of Oxford University, I mean, I believe, well, I guess he may still be a fellow. I think he's formerly of Oxford. But Sykes, again, was doing what I had hoped good scientists would eventually do, which was, okay, if we see enough alleged evidence, as, uh, anecdotal evidence, I suppose, you know, in terms of alleged encounters people have had with, with Bigfoot, I mean, are all of these people lying? And if we are at least to suspend disbelief long enough to say maybe they are not, then what can science do with proper laboratory procedure and good science applied to this? What can science do to help try and make a determination about this? Now, it was rather revealing that there was no evidence of anomalous primates found. That doesn't necessarily mean that it never will be found, and that's what Sykes said and part of the reason for ridicule by P.Z. Myers and, and others. They think this guy is nuts, primarily just for even entertaining the idea that, hey, maybe there's something worthy of scientific study here. But all phenomena at the outset began as unexplained phenomena. 
And I don't think that we've closed the door on Bigfoot. It was good, though there were no results forthcoming that were positive, I guess, in, in the sense of trying to prove something exists. It was great to see science taking a step toward trying to seriously study the anomalous primate problem. Yeah. The thing that always bothers me about all this is that we always get to a certain point, and that's it. We can go no further. So with Bigfoot, where's the DNA? With UFOs, well, we have some possible trace evidence. We have the photographs. We have all this. But we just can't go to that next level. We're always at the stopping point. And I wonder sometimes when I think about this, is that stopping point our inability to understand or something that's deliberate? That's a good question. Uh, it's interesting to me that we have people all over the world that report seeing a creature like Bigfoot, something that is very similar to being a human, which I think really fundamentally is the reason why it's so difficult to believe. If we were seeing something that was far more monstrous and less anthropomorphic in its general shape and, uh, and, and uh, behavior, I think it would be far easier for people in, in some ways to say, okay, this is clearly not a person in a suit. It's the fact that Bigfoot so, so closely resembles humans, if it exists, that it makes it very difficult to distinguish it from being a person in a suit, you know, although many would say that it's, it's quite obviously not that when they've been those on the receiving end of the actual observation. When they've actually seen this creature in these anecdotal reports, they say it's much larger, the arms are much longer, it's proportionally very different in terms of its build from a human, but still nonetheless fairly anthropomorphic. And I think that this is a big problem in terms of coming to a good determination about what other than a human it could be. Micah Hanks is with us. We're trying to make sense of something, and maybe we will before it's all over. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. Owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Get on board with the tax admiral. Don't pick on the IRS alone. I'll cut penalties and reduce your overall tax bill. Sometimes I can even get it zeroed out completely. We're an A-rated company helping people clean up their mess with the IRS. If you owe $10,000 or more, then call the tax admiral. Call 800-287-7180. Again, that's 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180. You're fired. According to the Small Business Administration, 75% of small businesses plan to eliminate jobs or reduce workers' hours to part-time. You're fired. According to Gallup, the unemployment rate recently jumped to nearly 9%, and the underemployment rate hit a staggering 17.9%. You're fired. One out of three young adults and one out of two recent college graduates are underemployed. Hello, I'm Keith Abel, a pharmacist and a home business entrepreneur. In 2011, I became one of those statistics myself. Instead of looking for another job in corporate America, I joined Dr. Joel Wallet, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. We're creating steady incomes for ourselves and would like to show you how to do the same. 
If you want to supplement your current income, replace your income, so you don't have to become one of the statistics, then give me a call toll-free at 866-257-3105. 866-257-3105. You're fired. Don't wait till you hear those words. Start creating an extra income today. 866-257-3105. Paid non-attorney spokesperson, Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas, is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free, one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. Are your Google search results killing you? Unflattering content in blogs, news articles, online reviews, social media, or other sources can jeopardize your reputation, your business, and your livelihood. Let Reputation.com help. Our patented technology will make the truth about you more visible while pushing down unwanted negative content. Improve your Google search results. Call Reputation.com at 1-800-831-0771 for a free consultation. That's 800-831-0771. Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Let's make sense of this. Please go to plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com. Check out the Paracast Plus. You get the ad-free version of this show, the After the Paracast wrap-up show. We've got show transcripts. That video, we're trying to do the final work on it. It's not so easy as Chris is explaining after the Paracast, but we'll get there, we'll get it done, and it's going to work. Plus.theparacast.com. We're giving free ebooks away for long-term subscriptions. Plus.theparacast.com. From the Graylian Report, we've got Micah Hanks. And I was mentioning, and he started a brief comment, about the inability to go to the next level with paranormal research. And one of the arguments you make here is that for UFOs, for example, we're still repeating the theories from the 1950s, from the book Flying Saucers from Outer Space by Major Donald Kehoe, the first book I read on the subject. It doesn't seem, except for a small number of people, we've gone much further, have we? No, not really. Uh, And we, in similar fashion, note the inability to come to terms with something apart from being a human phenomena fueling Bigfoot belief just as well. But I'll point out that 
when we look out further into the cosmos, it's interesting to me that we have a lot of anecdotal evidence. In many instances, we also have film and video, which uh, it may not offer a conclusive form of proof or data, but it certainly seems to keep the pot stirred, so to speak, in terms of what may or may not exist out there, which we haven't yet quite come to terms with. But in science, we're often dealing with and grappling with things that are not only unseen and absolutely, I mean, in the most literal sense, invisible phenomena, but also things which are fairly speculative in nature. You know, as, as we presume our, our universe, we, we don't presume we actually know thanks to things like redshift and our ability to be able to observe the actual rate of speed at which other you know, distant galaxies and, and planetary bodies and things like that are moving further and further away from us, farther out in space, outside our solar sp- system and whatnot. We, we can see out into space and we, we know that as a result of this expansion of the universe that things are changing with time. Uh, and yet, of course, there should also be quantifiable matter which prevents the universe from essentially falling apart, for which we have to bring into question such things as dark matter and the like. And and, and there are different theories about the universe. Uh, and part of the reason for this is because we don't have any single, I, I hate that term, grand unifying theory, but really this is what science aims to achieve in terms of physics and cosmology, astronomy and everything. We, we do hope to try and come to a determination where we have a good scientific principle that not only does it simply explain and answer a number of observable phenomena, but it will also uh, be capable of accurately predicting future things that we will learn about the universe. And we're, I think, a good ways from coming to kind of a unifying theory of the universe, but we have a number of partial theories that help us observe certain things. For instance, relativity is good up until, of course, not only quantum uh, theory, but also uh, up until we get to the point of the Big Bang. If presumably there was a Big Bang. That singularity that existed at the outset of the universe was such that it actually, or the laws put forth by Einstein in general relativity, they do break down at that singularity, mathematical terminology for essentially a, a point where, again, the, we have to essentially bring a new model because our theories no longer apply once we reach that area. So, with the paranormal, we kind of, and I've used this term, yes, singularity in relation to the UFO phenomenon just as well, because to an extent, I guess, with the data at our disposal, we have a lot of theories about UFOs. I think we have a lot of partial theories, but I don't think that we seem to have any kind of a unifying theory that really gives us any kind of a good scientific estimation of what exactly UFOs may be. And whatever the technology seems to be, still seems to, in some instances, extend well beyond uh, you know, our ability to understand. Ray Kurzweil has employed this term singularity in relation to artificial intelligence, once again citing that continuum that exists between these two phenomena, which I've always kind of thought about ever since I began to seriously look at UFOs and artificial intelligence separately. I thought these two phenomena in many ways in terms of a potential intelligence or technology further beyond our own, that we are right now in an almost kind of parallel paths, we are kind of seeking to kind of grapple with and understand and moving maybe ever closer toward a fundamental reckoning with those phenomena. You know, these these kind of things uh, certainly face us in the paranormal as well as further out there in terms of physics and the universe. I spend a lot more time these days reading about astronomy and physics and uh, and and also the history of science, looking at where we came from. And when you when you study history of science, probably my favorite study of them all, apart from philosophy, you go although they work hand in hand with one another. The further you go back, the more you realize that there have been periods in time where the scientists of, of yesteryear, they came to good determinations. Uh, of course, probably the single most uh, significant of, of the last several hundred years had been, of course, Isaac Newton in terms of scientists who brought unifying visions of the universe together with his theories. 
And although much, much of that was upset and offset by Einstein with general relativity, there are still certain ways that Newtonian physics apply and are simple and useful in working with what we have to deal with in the universe around us. I wish, and I think that this is where science has not failed, but perhaps investigators of the unexplained have somewhat failed. I wish that we could actually try to look at these phenomena and rather than leaping to these conclusions, I won't call them insane because I don't think that they are, but really they aren't perhaps supported by really good evidence, i.e. UFOs are alien. I mean, they may be, but then we've got Jacques Vallée who has said, you know, all the evidence seems to point to being something else and therefore must be interdimensional. But how do we quantify something interdimensional? He may not, you know, explicitly infer that it's interdimensional phenomena, but I think that that's one interpretation of the body of Vallée's work. Then there's, of course, this idea that we're dealing with uh, some sort of a, you know, secret government. Uh, This breakaway civilization concept has become more and more popular in recent years as it relates to UFOs, that term coined by Richard Dolan. And I think that a skeptic friend of mine pointed out to me just a, a few weeks ago that the important thing about science is that it's not about just maintaining a consensus opinion and just being, you know, a sheeple and just, you know, con- agreeing with everything that, you know, Stephen Hawking or whoever else writes. It's important, though, that scientists reach certain consensus based on the probability and the likelihood. And with the UFO phenomena, we seem to still be grappling with a lot of different potentials. We haven't really come to some sort of a consensus that the UFOlogical community on the whole would say, this seems to be the most likely thing that we're dealing with. And I think if we really want to move forward with paranormal phenomena and the study of it, it would really help to kind of get to a point where we can say, okay, what is a UFO most likely? What is Bigfoot most likely? And from there, how can we proceed scientifically in terms of study? Well, a lot of people in the UFO field say UFOs are most likely spaceships. That's who's been the prevailing theory for so many years. Yeah, but who's spaceships? I mean, we could say that they're spaceships. That seems to infer alien, I know. But again, it, it, that may be a prevailing theory, but what is the evidence that really supports the existence of alien life piloting spaceships you know, coming into our atmosphere? Could any kind of an – okay, here's, the, here's, the, here's a good point I'd like to make with this. We can look out there, our astronomers, our cosmologists – you know, our physicists, they're, they're so troubled by the fact that we can't seem to find any good evidence out there of alien life. Now, the UFO researcher would say, ah, but it's right here. It's under your nose, physicist. You're looking in the wrong place. It's right here. But if we're talking about phenomena that's occurring mostly here on Earth and that all the observational data comes from Earth's skies, you know, barring some theories about what astronauts may see from time to time up there, which is still in, you know, Earth orbit, You know, if we're seeing all this phenomena occurring right here around Earth, and yet there seems to be this, again, great silence everywhere else in the universe, why is it that we presume what we're dealing with is something that is from elsewhere? What evidence do we have that we're seeing this come from someplace else? I don't think that's an unfair question. You know, this is not very interesting. Let me just mention this. It was an article from Ray Palmer back in the 60s. He edited Flying Saucers magazine. We know, of course... His connection with the Shaver Mystery, being the promoter, the co-founder of Fate magazine. And by the way, he's also the name of a comic book character. The character that Brandon Routh plays in Legends of Tomorrow and Arrow and Flash, Ray Palmer. That character for the comic book figure Adam, A-T-O-M, with periods after each letter, was named after the real Ray Palmer by the person who created that character. So there we go. Okay, Palmer did an article that Ray Palmer were talking about, the real person, the sci-fi writer and the paranormal writer, about whether on other planets they see UFOs too. And it was part of his theory that UFOs 
were a phenomenon intrinsic to the Earth, and therefore if you lived on another planet, maybe you have your own kind of UFOs there. Let's go into more of that and more. And more listener questions of Micah Hanks with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. This is Dan Pillard. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. If you're like me, you're concerned about the stock market and the economy. You're asking the questions, but it just doesn't seem that you're getting the right answers. Well, my friends at the Wealth Preservation Institute not only have the answers, but they've put together a free report, How to Survive the Upcoming Economic Collapse and Protect Your 401Ks, IRA Savings, and Retirement Income. Don't hesitate. This report's for free for a limited time by calling 888-772-2929. That's 888-772-2929. Take back your financial lives today. Hey, Berkey Guy here. Are you still drinking unfiltered tap water? Does your water contain chlorine or fluoride? Will you have drinkable water in an emergency? The Berkey Guy is here to help you remove these and other potential contaminants from your water, thus helping you drink clean, purified water. We offer Berkey water purification systems at the lowest available prices online. Don't go another moment without Berkey System. Over the last 10 years, we've helped thousands drink clean, purified water. Join them by visiting GoBerkey.com or call me, the Berkey Guy, at 877-886-3653. That's 877-886-3653. This is a healthcare alert from the Pain Relief Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one suffers from knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain and have Medicare as your primary insurance, we've got great news. You don't have to suffer any longer. You can immediately qualify for a pain relieving brace at little or no cost to you by calling our 24 7 pain relief hotline at 866 389 0620. Delivery is free and all paperwork is handled for you. If you are on Medicare and have knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain, don't wait you can qualify to immediately receive a pain-relieving brace at little or no cost by calling our 24-7 pain hotline now at 866-389-0620. Our representatives are standing by 24-7 to take your call and rush you your pain-relieving brace at little or no cost to you. Shipping is free and all paperwork is handled for you. Just call 866-389-0620. That's 866-389-0620. Again, 866-389-0620. 
We use mobile devices right against our bodies every day, but growing scientific evidence has emerged showing serious health risks associated with exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The solution is Defender Shield, the most effective mobile radiation shielding ever developed. Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation from cell phones, tablets, and laptops and starts at just $64.99. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. For 10% off, use promo code GCN. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in mobile radiation shielding. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. With Gene and Chris in the Paracast, I raised this left-field question about what Ray Palmer said so many years ago. So if, just as a theory, if UFOs are native to Earth in some way, breakaway civilization, whatever, would that mean that beings living on other planets have their own UFOs to deal with? (laughs) <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, you know, I think yeah, but that, impossible uh, to answer. <laughs> it's, it is. Impossible. I know that, but it's fun to think about. Well, it is fun to think about, and it's important. You know, here's the here's the uh, interesting thing. It brings it back to sci-fi in that sense. Of course, Ray Palmer's belief in what UFOs may or may not have been incredibly fueled by science fiction. I mean, for Pete's sake, this guy was editor of Amazing Stories. You know, he goes on to found a magazine that purportedly dealt with this phenomena. In a, in, a, in a real-world way and not just in, in the sense of uh, the, uh, the phenomena uh, of science fiction. Fate, of course, being that magazine. But, uh, you know, when we look at the way that science fiction kind of fuels interest in these sorts of things, I mean, yeah, Ray Palmer was, was certainly no exception. Uh, and, and on that note, science fiction has, in a speculative sense, in, in the fun that we have with it, it often has also fueled innovation. You know, Arthur C. Clarke, I think, in, in his works, predicted the creation of numerous things. Of course, we know famously the telecommunications satellite, but we also see in uh, Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey there on the Clavius moon base, uh, you know, the conversation with the, uh, the, the gentleman's daughter where she requests a bush baby <laughs> as a gift. And, and we're basically seeing Skype right there. Um, so it, it is interesting because we do see a lot of, of technology that maybe one would say are inevitable, uh, but by the same token, they appear in sci-fi usually a few decades before they actually come to fruition in the real world. Now, it is interesting to me that Palmer's uh, interest in UFOs was fueled by the science fiction and what, uh, at least according to some, was uh, maybe in that, that twilight realm that kind of exists between fact and fiction. Coming back to Richard Sharp Shaver and his submission to Palmer of a manuscript. Uh, I think it was called a, a Warning to Future Humankind, but when it was revamped and, and reloaded for publication, Palmer recalled it, I remember Lemuria. And um, this was, of course, what began the very popular at the time, Shaver Mystery, which did deal with these Daros, the detrimental robots, and then the, the Taros, this warring faction between good and evil that was occurring where? Underground. Yes, in the hollow earth. Mankind has a long history of interest with uh, the hollow earth and uh, you know with the belief that there were entrances to the hollow earth located perhaps in the uh, in the polar extremities of our planet and that it, they could be entered and traversed and that presumably therefore maybe they were inhabited just as well um, whether or not this was an idea that just uh, you know that Sh- uh, Shaver came upon or if he had been influenced by something else he seemed to interpret mentally unstable though he was <laughs> uh, there to be some truth to his belief in there being beings existing underground and I think that he stated pretty explicitly in the years afterward, Ray Palmer, uh, having spent time with Shaver, having gone to visit with him, you know, stayed there with him at his house. Uh, I think Palmer was pretty convinced that the answer to the UFO phenomena lay in 
some of Shaver's theories. And yet, by the same token, as credulous as that idea may seem, uh, it's interesting for a couple of reasons. Because, A, first of all, George Adamski's book that would later become, uh, what was the title of the, the book? Was it called, uh, it wasn't Behind the Flying Saucers, was it? The one that was co-authored with Desmond Leslie? The uh, Flying Saucers Have Landed. That's the one. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Palmer said that that manuscript uh, had been submitted to him at Amazing Stories years beforehand. And that after the flying saucer craze broke, that he changed, uh, I believe the character's name was Orthon, I think, and um, and the flying saucer that he lands in. And it had initially just been a more uh, kind of a generic spaceship, and it had been Jesus Christ himself piloting it in the manuscript. The pre-saucer era manuscript, mind you, that was sent to Ray Palmer. And he talked about that on the Long John Nebel radio show. There's a re- recording of that interview that it can be found on YouTube today. You know, Palmer had said, I always have doubted George Adamski. I don't believe his stories at all, and here's why which is pretty interesting because he absolutely believed for some reason in Shaver and Shaver's stories. Nonetheless, it led Palmer to the conclusion that UFOs, whatever they may be, were probably not interplanetary. It was this strange kind of cult of ideology, you know, between the idea of something from within the Earth and something from outside the Earth, the Adamskis versus the Shavers. And Palmer very much went, you know, in the direction of Shaver and the idea of whatever these things are, the answer to the UFO phenomena will be found here on Terra Firma. Kind of interesting. Well, of course, we can follow the legends of the holes of the poles back even to Edgar Rice Burroughs, some of his earlier sci-fi stories. Even at the time he was writing Tarzan, he was also writing John Carter of Mars, the Pellucidor stories, which involved going through the inner Earth. So this is something that was not unusual. And when Palmer started talking about it, I thought of Edgar Rice Burroughs. And of course, Palmer knew Edgar Rice Burroughs and was responsible for persuading Burroughs to write some of his final stories for Amazing Stories magazine. You have Jules Verne as well, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There, again, there are a lot of these. I mean, you know, some would take it all the way back to Dante, although that was obviously a much more kind of a metaphysical uh, interpretation. Nonetheless, there is still the, the difference between ascending into the sky and then descending down into the earth. But that also leads you to the connection of another civilization here. Therefore, it's in the same framework as a breakaway civilization. Right. You know, again, a breakaway civilization, I think by definition, I think Richard Dolan, when he when he first put that idea forward, uh, it certainly was fueled by the idea that there have been, you know, s- you know special programs, privately or secretly funded uh, in, certain, in some way, whether that be through black budgets or, again, the idea that there may be, and it's funny because I often hear people say, well, what kind of a group, what kind of anybody would have that kind of funny uh, funding? You know, what kind of an extra governmental group would have enough money to be able to fund something so large? But I wouldn't rule that possibility out in the least. And uh, you know, there have been a number of interesting uh, proponents of the, of the possible funding mechanisms underlying a so-called breakaway civilization, which is kind of – Despite her background, I guess, in business and finance, it's kind of brought uh, the uh, character – known. I shouldn't say character. I have a lot of respect for this, this individual, but Catherine Austin Fitz, she, uh, again, doesn't seem to come at this from a UFO angle. She's not a popular UFO author. She wrote an article a number of years ago called What's Up With The Black Budget, and um, in that article claimed that you know, a friend of hers who had been a high-ranking military official at one point uh, – it asked her, I think, to be on a panel that would be looking at, uh, you know, what how, and how to deal with a UFO issue were one to arise here in the future if aliens were to touch down. And she kind of asked, why would we, 
be putting you know interest into something like this and she was given the uh, she was given the impression by the, those uh, who had invited her to be a part of this panel uh, that uh, this would be something that would potentially be of very very serious importance in the coming years and then was asked famously would you like to meet some aliens and she uh, she <laughs> declined at the time it's interesting because now I'm seeing that a lot of people actually uh, cite uh, Catherine Austin Fitz and uh, she's made appearances at different events uh, related to the idea of a breakaway civilization um, and, and more and more people who are, are who are not directly related to the UFO uh, field of study, uh, ufology as it were, are, are kind of finding their way into it because there do seem to be parallels that emerge. Uh, Joseph Farrell is one, Peter Lavenda, who I spoke with recently, and a fascinating guy. Most of his research has to do with the Nazi occult mythos, but he actually reached out to me a while back because I was looking at some of these you know, stories from Latin American countries, especially that have to do with UFOs. He had been to Chile in the 1970s and had actually visited a place in 1979 called Colonia Dignidad. And it's one of many instances where we see evidence of Nazis having escaped to South America. There are some, you know, threads that seem to suggest that there are technological components to some of that. And I think that this kind of area of thought, I know Joseph Farrell has even written in his books, although he brings up things that are very closely related to UFOs. Farrell told me a few years ago, UFOs aren't a primary interest of him, but he, to an extent, has almost had to get involved in certain areas of UFO research because of, he said, their relation to other things that he is interested in, which primarily has to do with, you know, black budget funding and, and, and financial uh, streams maybe coming from behind the scenes. Some of this he actually ties back to the Nazis and post-World War II operations that some of them may have been involved with. So, uh, you know, whatever it is, this this ongoing uh, you know, some of it really good, serious, hard historical research, some of it certainly kind of steeped in speculation and whatnot. But these kind of researchers coming together, whether independently or conversing amidst themselves, or maybe just, you know, their works coming to the attention of people like us who read these kind of books and are multifaceted in our interests, this notion of a breakaway civilization. And generally, as Richard Dolan, I think, intended it, one with a, some sort of an advanced technological component has become, I think, one of the more popular uh, motifs that is presented in the study of UFOs in the modern era. So I don't know, maybe people are kind of coming around to the idea that whatever the UFO phenomena is, maybe it's nothing so far out in spacey. Maybe it is from right here, although many proponents of a breakaway civilization maintain nonetheless that the technologies driving this civilization actually probably were captured technologies, i.e. Roswell, you know, wherever. So, you know, the idea of some sort of crash retrieval and back engineering Bob Lazar kind of stuff. So, you know, it's really kind of interesting because the various UF, ufological mythos uh, that have been pr- presented over the years, they kind of tend to overlap at times. They really do. We'll get into more of Breakaway Civilizations, your questions, and maybe some of the um, false trails of 2015. I can think of a subject that shall not be named. I don't know if Mike, I think, knows what we're talking about. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. 
So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. Chronic inflammation is now known to block your ability to repair and compromises your immune system, making you more vulnerable to all diseases. Since poor diet, injuries, or stress are all contributing factors, many people suffer from inflammation. Your body's number one means of neutralizing inflammation and the pain that it may be causing is glutathione. Glutathione is the body's number one peptide to neutralize free radicals and thus stop inflammation. Hi, my name is Jason. I'm 44 years old. For 10 years, I had been suffering from chronic pain in my abdomen and groin that radiated down into my feet. After three weeks on One World Way, the pain in my feet reduced by 50% and the overall pain in my body reduced significantly significantly as well. I ran out of One World Way and the pain returned. I got another container and again, after three weeks, the pain reduced significantly throughout my body. I'd highly recommend One World Way to anyone dealing with chronic pain due to inflammation. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. All right, four more segments of the show coming to an assessment of where we are, where we can go. With Micah Hanks of the Graylian Report, go to graylianreport.com to learn more about his radio show and about his columns. Okay. I think there's a listener question about this, Chris, isn't there? The subject that shall not be named, the Roswell slides or the not Roswell slides. Do you think that was one of the real bad points of the past year? I certainly think it was the most significant UFO headline of the year. Isn't that sad? (laughs) (laughs) Let me clarify. The most significant UFO. Non-story. Yeah, it it was a non-story, but... I, you know, I've talked about this on a number of radio shows. Um, I guess people are somewhat puzzled why I would say that that's the most significant UFO story of the year. I think it was the UFO story that got the most attention. Uh, it was a story which, you know, sadly taught, I hope, the research community a lot more about what not to do than what they should be doing as far as UFO research goes. You know, there's some people who, were, who became involved with that. Who, who I have a lot of respect for. There are some individuals who were involved uh, with that that uh, I don't know from Adam's house cat and others who I've always turned my skeptical eye toward. Uh, I have to look for Adam's house cat. Yeah, keep an eye out. He's been missing for years. But- Actually, I think he's out front here having breakfast. Oh, really? <laughs> there right. is a cat that has decided to hang out here, outside. <laughs> His location has finally been triangulated. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Okay, Adam, your house cat is here. Well, but that said, we'll take a reward. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. For more information about Adam's, Adam's house cat, contact Gene Steinberg at the Paracast. Better yet, post it in forums.theparacast.com. But uh, I would, I would maintain, yeah, again, that it was a significant story. It taught us a lot about what not to do. Uh, I, I, 
I'm sad to hear, I think, that there are certain people who've been involved with the Roswell slides debacle that somewhat maintain that there may be still legitimacy to those slides. That is simply not the case. That that was a mummy. Uh, the thing, you know, the, the, the deblurring technology at our disposal today uh, has conclusively shown, I think, that it was actually kept, what was it, the Mesa Verde notes, I think, from 18, I can't remember the year, but uh, published uh, specifically, um, even the name of the individual, where it had been found, uh, and and who it was on loan to the museum from, and uh, that's that. But but again, uh, there was some good research that came out of it, and I was very proud that even before the official release of the sliding question came about, uh, independent researchers, uh, Greg Bishop, Paul Kimball, Nick Redfern had been working uh, with them, and, and there were a number of others just as well that had come to a determination within 24 hours. And so what it shows, coming back to something you said earlier, Chris, we need more transparency. Now, in terms of government, the United States, I think, can learn the most uh, from other nations when it comes to transparency on these kind of issues, you know, study of UFOs and anomalous phenomena. But I think that uh, by the same token, even on the civilian level, when there is transparency and there is an information withheld from the public, we might be able to move forward because I think that there are people in positions of technological uh, proficiency uh, and people with certain st- skill sets that may not necessarily be directly involved in the UFO phenomena, that if asked or if uh, put in a position where they had certain data in front of them, a lot of these old cases, maybe some more recent cases too, may, we, we may come to new determinations about them. And so the, I think the need for secrecy, while important maybe at times, is is lessened and diminished, and the Roswell Slides affair was a, uh, a good evidence of that. I'm still... Uh trying to plumb my sources here at the uh, Yavapai Cultural Center to get in the back door and pull some DNA evidence and maybe a selfie with the little mummy guy. One thing that I just, I I just continually am, whenever that subject came up, I was just shocked that nobody brought up that the thing obviously had been in the ground or uh, had been, you know, for many years had been uh, in a state of uh, desiccation and if this was from 1947, there's no way in the space of a year or less that that body could have ended up looking like that. I mean, uh, that was one thing that nobody hardly ever mentioned, um, which to me just totally trashed any sort of uh, you know possible believability about it being some something from Roswell because, I mean, it just looked too old. It had been obviously uh, dead for a long, long time. Interesting point, though. That's because you being a person who I think, you know, has spent a lot of time in museums and been out west and whatnot, you know, most of your life and have, you know, spent some time around mummified bodies and and the like, probably, presumably, I know, having read some of your books, you know, you would recognize a mummy. Uh, And uh, I don't mean to diminish the intelligence of anyone involved in that affair, but I mean, for most of us, it was obviously a mummy. I think when people get too UFO-centric in their thoughts and their attitudes, you know, they may not have recognized it as what it was so obviously to other people, and therefore, rather than resembling a mummy and a desiccated body, it looked like something that might not have been human, in which case any mummy would look alien to that kind of a mindset. It seems yeah. to you or I, but again, I think that it's important that people have a broad, and yes, they need to have an educated background to be able to make those determinations. Of course, it was obvious to you, but you know you know what a mummy looks like. <laughs> right. Well, I know what a, what a body looks like after it's been in, in a desert environment for you know, an extended period of time. I mean, it, it, it becomes naturally mummified, uh, not with some sort of a Egyptian process where they embalm the bodies with uh, particular types of oils and, and uh, 
you know, herbs and that sort of thing. This body obviously had been in a, a very dry desert environment for quite some time. Uh, it was obvious to me. And if it was from, again, from 1947, then that, that totally trashes any sort of connection to a, an event from that year. But uh, I, I, I do still, uh, you know, I'm trying, I'm letting the furor kind of, wane a little bit around this uh and and it, it is kind of fading i think fairly fast now and you know i do have a couple of connections with the avapai and i I'm, I'm still hoping to get in there i mean it's literally a half a mile away from me so uh i do through the grapevine i heard that some tv show showed up uh unannounced and tried to get access and they were kind of laughed out of the building so oh. um <laughs> anyway i i think your point is well taken that um i mean if any good comes from this whole episode it is uh again as you put it the uh you know kind of a reminder of how not to do things <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> and that's that's a point well taken i might add uh yeah we're going to go on to another couple of uh of questions here uh, here's a good one that um i don't think we've ever asked you this but um i i think this is a good question uh, to ask and and basically it's you know, it's it's asking uh, Technomage, uh, who again has been a longtime member of uh, forum.theparacast.com, where he asks questions of our guests. And he's asking, which case or cases have you conducted extensive research on and concluded that a paranormal explanation is the only logical one? And and knowing how meticulous you are with your investigative work, I, I'm, I'm going to be very interested to hear <laughs> your answer. Well... I, I've got to be honest. I've, I've never come to the conclusion uh, with anything that I've uh, you know tried to undertake any serious rigorous study uh, in relation to. I've never come to the conclusion that oh my god, there's just no answer. This is something not of this world. This is something paranormal. Uh, you know, I don't think that my and I hope that this doesn't appoint any uh, disappoint anybody. But I, I don't think that you know my mind gravitates toward you know trying to say that there's an unsolvable element to any of this. Uh, that doesn't mean that there are not phenomena which currently uh, are, are understanding of or a level of sophistication in relation to science and technology. Uh, uh, it doesn't mean that there aren't certain phenomena that extend beyond that. But, uh, you know, with the acquisition of new information, presumably we will understand these things. In one case I looked into uh, some time ago, and, I, and I, I'll mention this one because it is discussed in my book, The UFO Singularity, and so that can be referenced by people, which, you know, makes me so sick that, you know, there have been people who really don't understand what that book, I think, was about. Again, I was trying to examine UFO literature uh, and kind of compare that with the idea of artificial intelligence, which is the theme throughout that book that is addressed. Uh, and I, one skeptical blogger had referred to that book as uh, being about aliens who time travel from the future and other made-up ideas. And I'm just thinking, he hadn't read the book, and I know that for a fact. Uh, and it just goes to show the dismissive attitude that people have. Again, I think that culturally and also through, much through the lens of science fiction, there was a lot of reference to science fiction in that book. It was a thought experiment in now analyzing you know, motifs that are present and have remained present in UFO literature. Let's do a little bit more thought experimenting. And then we'll get back with Micah Hanks of the Graylian Report with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. If you're fascinated by UFOs, ancient aliens, archaeological mysteries, ghost hunting, Atlantis, and any other paranormal topic as we are, be sure to check out APMagazine.info each month. 
Since 1985, it has presented the latest research by top researchers like Andrew Collins, Brad Steiger, and many others, and contains interviews with such leading personalities as Jacques Vallée. Check, click on one of their banners and check out apmagazine.info. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. My name is Don Wiskin. In 1994, I lost my 62-year-old father to complications of bypass surgery. In 1977, my 44-year-old brother was found dead in his apartment. He suffered a heart attack. In January of 98, my mother had a stroke and passed away in her bed. 21 days later, my 53-year-old brother passed away on his arrival to the hospital. He waited too long. In June that same year, I almost joined them at 42. What did I do? I took a seven-herb formula I now call Extendivite made from garlic, cayenne, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, hawthorn, milk thistle, and valerian. Based on German studies of natural medicine, Extendivite is designed to clear blocked arteries, clean the toxins from your blood, and improve your immune system. To get your Extendivite, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website, heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extend Paid non-attorney spokesperson, Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with Principal Office in Houston, Texas, is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free, one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. We use mobile devices right against our bodies every day, but growing scientific evidence has emerged showing serious health risks associated with exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The solution is Defender Shield, the most effective mobile radiation shielding ever developed. Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation from cell phones, tablets, and laptops and starts at just $64.99. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. For 10% off, use promo code GCN. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in mobile radiation shielding. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. 
That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Looks like he's got the filter microphone working there. Chris O'Brien, he'll soon be the shadow. <laughs> Micah Hanks is with us. Thought experiments indeed, like crypto-terrestrials from Mac Tonys. Of course, that's a way to get away with something, too. You say, well, I didn't really mean this. It's just a thought experiment. Right. I'm going to put a bunch of ideas out there, and I don't mean any of this, but I just, you know, I'm just going to put it out there anyway. I, I like to think that uh, you know, I, can, I can own my theories, and I want to come back around to the question about you know, have I come to that determination, and if, if so, you know, what, what cases have I studied that might indicate this or that? In, in regard to the idea of a thought experiment, I think it's fine to have a thought experiment, but I do think it has to have some sort of relation to uh, what your actual beliefs or your theories uh, you know, may, may be in a more, more hardline way. And I will say that uh, there are a lot of things I've written over the years that, um, frankly, as my skepticism toward the subject has increased over time, I, I would endorse certain things that I've written in the past far less than I would today. But that's a good thing, I think. I think it's important that as we move along, our ideas and attitudes change. A big problem I see in UFO circles, uh, especially these days, is that people have been citing the same speculative quote-unquote theories for years, and they have no better evidence to support those things than they did years ago. They maintain this quote-unquote perspective, which really has just become a belief. It's like a spirituality. It's like a religion for them. And the fact that I disagree so much with maybe certain things that I've written over the years, for instance, I'll give you an example. I have speculated at times that maybe a more likely reality, I guess we might call it, underlying UFOs could be in some instances some sort of time travel. In fairness, Carl Sagan, on the other hand, has said that he had found, and there's an interview where you can see this online, uh, where Sagan had found the idea that there's no evidence of time travel dubious. He said, it may be that time travel is possible, but that we have mistaken another phenomena for it. Perhaps ghosts or even UFOs, but we couldn't necessarily say that there's no proof of time travel because we've seen no evidence of it. Now, again, I don't think that Sagan was trying to make a good case for the existence of UFOs and saying that they were time travelers. That was him, I think, engaging in something of a thought experiment. He was merely saying it could be that time travel, if there's evidence that we would see of it today, we have not recognized it as being that evidence. Nonetheless, taking on a general understanding of general relativity, I also recognize that while it is apparently a generic time travel, a generic element that, uh, that is consistent with a lot of different areas of, of, of relativity and is something uh, written about by J. Richard Gott and by Paul Davies and a number of others, you know, time travel is something that theoretically could work in terms of general relativity. It's extremely difficult to achieve. Maybe one day it will be achieved, but it seems less likely to me that UFOs are perhaps that. So coming back to that book, The UFO Singularity, that was something that I did talk about loosely, and I was trying to interpret it not as literal time travel, but I've come even further away from that than I might have uh, you know, held myself to uh, at the time that the book was written. But the case that I looked at in the book that was a little more on the real-world side of things rather than the speculative science fiction side was Mike Reese's encounter, which uh, involved him seeing a disc-shaped UFO hovering over a power substation back in 1973. And actually, I've interviewed him, but he wasn't the only witness. His sister and his wife at the time and their children were there. They all saw this thing. And it was remarkably similar to an incident that occurred just a couple of years ago where a BBC News uh, sports affiliate was driving along to catch a red-eye flight early in the morning. He was traveling down a country road and driving behind a Volkswagen van, and he said, as he called into the radio program to talk about it, and it's still online, you can hear it, he said, I loathe to say it, but it was disc-shaped. And he described a saucer shape with lights around the, the perimeter of the of the disc, and it drifted rather slowly over the highway. He said, I'm 
begging whoever was in that van in front of me to call in and to please identify themselves because I know they had seen this thing as well. And so these craft appear to still be seen today. And it's interesting because we do have the idea of a flying saucer that during the Blue Book years, Edward Ruppelt had said, you know, we really should start calling these things UFOs. Unidentified flying object is a better catch-all because they aren't all disc-shaped. But some UFO reports and rather credible observations do involve disc-shaped or roughly disc-shaped craft. That's what was seen in 1973 by Mike Reese. But after we, you know, we traveled to the location and we took photographs and people said, Micah, that was 1973. Why would you study something that happened back then? Well, I felt I had a credible multiple witness encounter and I was interested in getting as much information about what they said that they saw. One thing they described that was interesting to me was they said that it looked like a white light when they saw it off in the distance. But as it was hovering over the road, Mike distinctly remembered, he said that the lights were blue, green, and red. And of course, you know, we, we know that the additive color theory of light is that, you know, when you combine those three primary colors of light, you get white light. And uh, it seemed to indicate to me that from a distance, it may have been the case that perhaps this object was spinning or some other kind of mechanism was causing the blending of light coloration to appear white from a distance. And so that told us something about the possible mode in which the craft moved. But he had already said that the light seemed to be moving in sequence around, which gave the impression that there was like a centrifuge or that the craft itself was actually rotating or turning. And I said, you know, this is interesting, but having actually observed this thing, I mean, did you get the impression that this thing was something so far out that it couldn't have been human? He said, my gut tells me that there were people on board that craft. This didn't look like something that couldn't have been built on Earth. It's just not a technology that is known to exist on Earth. And that's, again, where I have to stand. When, when you dig into these kind of cases, I haven't found compelling evidence that what we're dealing with is something that could not be from Earth. But if it is from Earth, the important point we have to make is that it is not any kind of known technology. Whereas modern scientists, many physicists would say that what is described in UFO reports really is something that could not exist in accordance with the laws of physics. Now, that may be a bit more of a stretch than to say that these things could be here from Earth, you know, rather than being alien to me, which is kind of funny because as you see the different warring factions, you can get to a point of skepticism to where you rule out any possibility whatsoever because it just doesn't seem to conform to your worldview and your knowledge of science and mechanics. You know, whereas on the opposite extreme, we, we see people saying the exact same thing and therefore it must be alien. Somewhere in the middle, maybe the possibility does exist that there is technology and that there are phenomena that people do see from time to time, but that they are perhaps more real intangible to this world than people are willing to consider. Yeah, yeah good point. And, and some of the older cases uh, that haven't been thoroughly investigated and, and researched, I, I think, are worthy of this, especially uh, cases from that seminal year of 73, when one of the most extensive UFO waves on record occurred worldwide, not only in the United States and the Midwest and on the, the river valleys of uh, the Midwest and Southeast, but it was a global event. And that's right when the Vietnam War was winding up. And, you know, of course, Watergate was happening. There was a lot of interesting uh, cultural things that were going on. Uh, subsequently to that. So, you know, I agree that, that some of these older cases, for some of you new aspiring investigators out there, if you if you stumble on a what appears to be a good case, just because it's from the past doesn't mean that it's not as relevant as a case that happened last week. I think a lot of very good information can be obtained from some of these older cases. And, Micah, you just gave a, a classic example of, of how to go about doing that. And uh, it does take some work. You know, if it goes back too far, obviously people aren't going to be around to talk to. So, right. so get on your on your hobby horses. <laughs> well, to, to be fair, there would be people who would say, no, 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 no. You know, seriously, you're not going to find any evidence of radiation. You're not going to find any kind of marks, you know, any kind of 
satellite Im- imagery or any kind of you know thermal any anything that's going to be used. Well, phys- physical yeah physical evidence yeah but and, and that's what many would say is that you know if you're looking at something that's decades old you, you're not going to learn anything now what i felt was different about for instance the story that mike told me uh in mike reese's encounter he, he describes again characteristics that involve the light uh, the apparent rotation of the craft, the fact that it was hovering over a power substation, which is a recurring motif in a lot of different okay. UFO uh, observations over the years. The fact that there had been other reports of an object seen because it passed over the uh, – what would the interstate be there? I don't I don't know, but this was just south of Atlanta, Georgia. More to come with Micah Hanks and Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast. <laughs> listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. My dad was 59 when he collapsed from a heart attack late last year. Just this past August was when we spread his ashes on the St. Croix River. I loved my dad, but boy was he stubborn. He hadn't been to the doctor in over 25 years. His excuse? He simply couldn't afford it. He wasn't a rich man by any means. At less than $107 per month, libertyoncall.org would have been the perfect alternative for my father. Don't wait. Go to libertyoncall.org right now for not just your sake, but for the sake of your loved ones. Again, that's libertyoncall.org. Owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Get on board with the tax admiral. Don't take on the IRS alone. I'll cut penalties and reduce your overall tax bill. Sometimes I can even get it zeroed out completely. We're an A-rated company helping people clean up their mess with the IRS. If you owe $10,000 or more, then call the tax admiral. Call 800-287-7180. Again, that's 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180. complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam Nussbaum with the Anthem Foundation. Premature birth is the leading cause of death of babies and disabilities for children. That's why we support the March of Dimes to help mothers have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in supporting cutting-edge research, treatment and outreach to help moms during their pregnancy, and give every baby a healthy start in life. Learn how you can help at marchofdimes.org. The Genesis Communications Network is one of America's premier broadcasters of captivating talk radio. We thank you for listening. Now, Now, just imagine there are thousands of people who are just as passionate about radio as you are. But what you may not realize is how easy and affordable it is to advertise with us. Radio commercials for your business could be heard on hundreds of radio stations across the U.S. every day. We can help you by creating an effective radio advertising campaign for your company. From script writing to producing your commercials. 
commercial. Just like the one you're listening to right now. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us and advertise at GCNlive.com. And an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. A lot of people's lives and bodies are out of balance. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops optimize pH level and get rid of harmful waste and acid. Just a few drops in water restores vibrance and energy and gets you back in balance. Now order two bottles and get $10 off your order. Sign up for monthly auto shipping and save 25%. Call 800-518-7615 or visit alkavision.com. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at alkavision.com. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Okay, Micah Hanks, you were saying about this case that happened near Atlanta, Georgia? Yes, and again, the only point I was trying to make about this case is that, again, there were enough aspects about the behavior of the object that was observed that to me helped I wouldn't even really call it detective work I would just say thinking carefully enough about what was described led me to some observations about this craft namely that there seemed to be again a rotational component to the way that it moved presumably that the the faster the rotation or rather that the object rotated more quickly when it was actually moving rather than when it was apparently hovering as it had appeared to be doing over this power substation. It is interesting that people have reported over the years the number of UFOs that are seen hovering over power lines, uh, hovering over power substations, uh, you know, the all, all different kinds of things like this. And I do recall reading, I, I don't remember if this was, I know it had cited Nikola Tesla in an interview that I believe it appeared uh, Electrical Experimenter magazine. I'm trying to remember the source of the actual article, but it it had been speculating about an aircraft that Tesla had made noises about wanting to build throughout his life, uh, which essentially would have been something along the lines of a long kind of a a cylindrical or kind of a cigar-shaped aircraft. He believed that he could utilize electrical forces alone to lift and to move an aircraft through the air uh, that he felt would be far more efficient in its maneuverability even actually the uh, the the, the power uh, you know input needed in order to power this thing, Tesla was convinced that something like this could be built. And when you know airplanes were coming to prominence and were becoming you know the way of the future, Tesla was laughing. And he he all, he never said much about this craft, but there certainly are references to it in interviews, little though they were. And he had maintained that over the years he would be able to build an aircraft, an electric spacecraft, essentially that would outdo anything that we knew. And what he described. What was envisioned, and they were, you know, rough images and things like that. Actually, some of them were quite artistic, but nonetheless, they were rough because they weren't really intelligent schematics or anything along those lines. If the, if any existed, many have proposed that perhaps these would have been captured along with the uh, documents and the other possessions that were kept by Tesla at the time of his death, and which the U- United States military acquired. Which, interestingly, I think that they were acquired under the. It was the alien. Um, I can't remember, but it's interesting because he was an American citizen, and nonetheless. The circumstances under which those files, I have to get this information, I don't want to misspeak here, but the acquisition by the military of the files had uh, been under the auspices of how they would have been treated had he not been a U.S. citizen. 
which is rather strange. He was from Serbia, but of course he had you know immigrated and, and was a U.S. citizen at the time that he died. So if there was any actual schematic, if there was anything more than just you know the meanderings of his mind that he would bring forth during interviews at times, we will maybe never know. But it seemed that Tesla certainly believed that an electric spacecraft along those lines could be built. You know, again, something that would have exceeded the kind of technology that we knew of that day and perhaps even of the, the modern era. It would have been fascinating had he ever actually built that. Isn't it interesting that the technology we use today for spacecraft, it's based on the same technology we were working with back in the 40s. Oh, yeah. See, that's what's weird is that Tesla, many said, had a different way of conceiving of things mechanically and envisioning in his mind. And, and speculation about his craft, by the way, I should point out, tying it back to the Mike Reese encounter. In, in the article, I'll have to find this. I'm going to have to find it and post it in the Paracast forum so that people can read this. But it was speculated that such a craft could possibly recharge its electrical potential by hovering near a high-yield electromagnetic field, which seemed very interesting to me because it sounded very similar to the behavior in the Mike Reese encounter of the thing hovering over a power substation. If And, and one would ask if, you know, if there's some sort of a practical uh, need for an aircraft like this to hover over, a power source, would that explain why UFOs are often seen doing just that? In some instances, especially, uh, you know, the advent of the nuclear era, there were a lot of reports of, of UFO-type craft hovering over nuclear power sources and the like. But if we're talking about electromagnetic aircraft of any kind, uh, you know, something similar to what Tesla had envisioned, it seems unlikely to me that they would hover over a nuclear power source. But nonetheless, as you point out, Gene, yeah, what we're dealing with today still really kind of hails back to the rocket technology and, and, and technologies capable of uh, you know, reaching an escape velocity that can actually get us further, uh, you know, far enough up into the atmosphere that we can actually escape the gravitational pull of the Earth. Rocket thrust being really the only way that we do that. Tesla, of course, had envisioned other things. Uh, whether anyone anywhere at any time has ever seen any of those things to fruition really is a mystery. Many say it's unlikely, but when you think about these UFO reports, sometimes it seems less likely uh, and maybe at least a possibility. Yeah. You know, well, very much so. When you go on a rocket today, it's like sitting atop a bomb. Well, <laughs> it goes back to medieval uh, China. I mean, hello. You know, the invention of gunpowder sure. and, and, and rockets goes all the way back to, uh, geez, I, I don't know, what, the 5th or 6th century in China. Of course, they were just used for entertainment back then. They weren't weaponized like as it was later and then used as a kind of a stepping off point for rocket technology. But, you know, we could get into a bunch of stuff and talk about Jack Parsons and solid fuel. And <laughs> it dovetails into a whole nother show that we're going to have to have Micah back on. But I wanted to kind of shift gears a little bit here. And, and you know, we've been seeing more and more talk of black-eyed children, Slender Man, uh, which seem to be modern sort of urban myths uh, that are almost manifesting themselves in, in peculiar ways. But here's one uh, Wade wants to know. Of course, Wade's been a longtime poster at uh, forum.theparacast.com. He's just past the 4,000 post mark, I must say. He's, he's up there in, uh, in posts. He wants to know about the clown phenomena. Is it more than just a bunch of pranksters, uh, somebody creating a cultural meme and people disguising themselves because of their criminal intent? Now, I'm assuming he's talking about these crazy clowns that are seen driving around and peeking in windows and not the current crop of Republican potential uh, nominees for the presidency of the of the country. Because, uh, you know, if you're talking about clowns, it's hard not to, to, to go in that direction. Before you continue, let me just tell Mike, if you haven't heard this, I paraphrase the phrase from one of Charles Fort's book, A Procession of the Damned, and I call them A Procession of the Dumb. Go ahead, Chris. 
<laughs> so yeah, that was my uh, my little sort of op-ed opportunity there. But then uh, Flatwoods has another question too. That's uh, that kind of dovetails from that uh, little sort of non sequitur. Um, two words: disclosure. Trump. <laughs> First oh. of all, let's talk about the clowns. I mean, what's up with these guys? I mean, of course, the clown is a modern personification of the trickster archetype. But you know, we don't want to go there. Um, what do you think? I mean, uh, I've seen some pretty spooky photographs online of of clowns in cars, and uh, it, it's just uh, it's it's becoming more and more frequent. Uh, people claiming that these these really sinister clowns are lurking about. What do you, what do you make of that? Well, the, now 2015 certainly was a year with a lot of uh, uh, you know these maniacal clown uh, sightings. I, every single instance, of course, that I looked into and i looked into uh, everyone that i could find because you know it I, not that i attribute there being anything paranormal or weird to it but there is a bit of a uh, a history to uh this and its possible link you know the appearance of the 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 weird the phantom clown i think maybe is the term that we used uh, lauren coleman is one who's written about this uh jerry clark may have written about it at some point as well but i think that coleman was the primary chronicler of this in terms of modern fortiana um for that reason alone, I've, I've followed it, and also because it makes for a, a humorous headline you know, on a podcast like mine, or this one for that matter. Uh, but in every instance that I looked into, it was attributed, I think, that a number of them were ha- uh, happening around Humboldt County, I think, maybe in California, and that uh, there had been um, a teenager who had been the perpetrator in one of the instances. Uh, some of the photographs appearing online, strangely, had actually been uh, a gentleman whose wife was doing a, an art photography project which involved him dressed as a clown uh, uh, you know posing in different playgrounds and things and people had seen this and thought it was rather strange uh, there were a couple of other instances I think where there had been people who were just dressing up and standing around and staring at people uh, one of the incidents I think it had been identified as an individual who had been inspired somewhat by a character that appeared recently on the um, on the television program American Horror Story so uh, for me what's the most interesting element here is the recurring interest that people have in this kind of this weird phantom clown thing rather than there being some sort of a phenomena underlying it although again you know as we talk about the way that pop culture and mythology influence the masses over time uh there the the, the clown is i think you know once again recurring motif uh that goes back to the idea like you already pointed out of the trickster element you know the clown is the trickster the clown whether it be punch you know uh, whether it be um, in any number of different clowns that have appeared in class. My, f- my favorite is Krusty the Clown from The Symptoms. We'll yeah. go into another kind of clown in a moment with Gene and Chris and Micah Hanks. One more segment, you're in. The Paracast! Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Removing bad taste and odor from your drinking water is easy. Removing the bad stuff you don't taste is what ProPure does best. Water the way nature meant it to be. Clean, crisp, and refreshing. See the complete line of ProPure countertop, inline gravity, and household water filtration products. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. Or call 800-544-3533. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Rainier Distillers designs and builds custom copper stills for home purification of water, distilling alcohol, essential oils, cannabis oil, and ethanol fuel. Use these distillers at home to remove all those nasty chemicals that are added to your public drinking water by fluoridation, resulting in pure, safe drinking water for you and your family. Call RainierDistillers.com at 360-446-8998 and check out their website at R-A-I-N-I-E-R-D-I-S-T-I-L-L-E-R-S.com, located in Seattle, Washington. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more. And this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. ParanormalDate.com and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Oh, the trickster is amongst us with Chris O'Brien, Gene Steinberg, Micah Hanks. Go ahead, Micah. Oh, well, I mean, you know, again, I think... uh, 
what else can you say about clowns? I mean, people are fascinated with them and they, they put on the suits, but I don't think that there's you know necessarily something paranormal about it. I think we also look back at 2015 and we think about uh, the Slender Man thing, namely the two young uh, girls, preteens, or if, if memory serves, who attempted to murder a friend of theirs because they wanted to be proxies of Slender. To me, there's obviously not an actual paranormal entity. I mean, the creator of the so-called Slender Man came forward and talked about you know the creation of the legend on on uh, you know social. Actually, it wasn't social media; it was the Creepy Pasta website. But it's fascinating to me that you Creepy know, what? The website I think is called Creepy Pasta. Yeah, and this had been the the origin of the of the Slender Man. Uh, so we're going to check what's on their noodle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or at least what's on mine at the moment, I guess you know. His mind continues to cook and pouring over these strange paranormal possibilities. But we see even in modern times, even in this, in this very, I think, uh, I'm, I'm not trying to you know, sound like we're living in an undeniably post-theocracy, but, uh, but I, I do think that you know, people adhere far less to what they perceive directly as myth and spirituality. You know, and uh, there is a certain secularism to our culture here in the West today, and yet we seem to be as susceptible today, if not more so, thanks in part to social media and the web, we seem every bit as susceptible to the power of myth as we ever were, which really interestingly kind of brings it all full circle because we've seen it with Star Wars. We, we question whether science fiction influences belief in things like UFOs. We question whether trends in sci-fi and the regurgitation of you know, yesteryear's sci-fi, or maybe I should say perhaps like the Phoenix you know, burning itself and rising from the ashes, maybe the regeneration of sci-fi motifs for a new era into new faces and new new eras and new ways of presentation. You know, we do seem to see a similar component there with regard to UFO research and everything. And it seems that we, in terms of our fundamental operation, in terms of the archetypal nature of our inner selves, you know, our unconscious mind, there, there are a lot of ways that myth very much still affects us. And we seem to be as much, if not more, susceptible to those those kinds of influences, uh, which is both disturbing but also fascinating. And it shows that perhaps the most that we can hope to learn about the interrelationship between humankind and the phenomena that yet eludes us is what role our mind and our consciousness plays in all of that. And that's the big mystery. We really still don't have the full, clear picture on that. You know what bothers me in general about how things are going these days is that so many things are spread in popular culture, shown to be lies, but surprisingly large numbers of people believe those lies. So how do you get anywhere from here to there if fundamentals of a basic truth about anything are ignored? <laughs> That's a good question. For example, what is it? 30, 40% of Republicans believe that Barack Obama, President of the United States, like him or not, that he's not an American, that he lied about his religion. Well, you know, I'll say this. If, if the Congress deems the man to have been eligible for the presidency of the United States. Well, I will rest with the decision made by the Congress in terms of the constitutionality and the, and the legality of his presidency. Uh, although, to me, I guess that, you know, by now, that's fairly a non-issue. There was a time yeah, when there was... Really? <laughs> it's funny because there was a big, you know, there was a, a, a huge stink made about that at the time that it was actually in the news. Funny enough, the, on the day coinciding with the release of the long-form birth certificates, it was a uh, what was called a certificate of live birth. Uh, that was actually released for President Obama. Th th on that same day, I guess I have to say, admittedly, I'm going a little down the conspiracy path right now, but on that same day, the United States Federal Reserve held, held their first ever other public press conference uh, you know, about uh, you know, the workings of the Fed and what, what, you know, what their projections, what was going on, uh, public discussion of their minutes. 
And so uh, I found that to be rather interesting that uh, topic A that day was Obama releasing this certificate of live birth and all this. Whereas, you know, on that same day, there was this historic press conference being held by the uh, the Federal Reserve that even the talk radio hosts here in Asheville were ignoring. And I was like, guys, you know, have any of you read The Creature from Jekyll Island? Have any of you ever doubted the hijacking of the U.S. monetary system? You know, anyone who thinks that that's just a conspiracy theory, it doesn't have to look, <laughs> it doesn't have to be viewed as conspiracy. <laughs> Again, think about it prior to the Second World War. No one would have said, oh, what, you mean withholding of taxes? Throughout the year, and then we get a tax return, no one would have bought into that. But it was considered to be something that was a worthwhile endeavor, even a necessity during the Second World War in order to aid the, the war effort. Problem is, you know, during that period, of course, when you kept your money and paid your taxes at the end of the year, whatever you held, you could keep in your bank or in a CD or whatever, and you could, you know, you could accrue interest on it throughout the year. You can't do that anymore, can you? Notice we never repealed that. We still have a progressive income tax where also, you know, that, inf- that money is withheld from you throughout the year. You don't get it back until the end of the year unless you're self-employed like me, but I still have to pay a fairly exorbitant rate. Nobody seems to question these things, forgotten from memory, and nobody wants to pay attention to it, even when the Fed goes and says, for the first time in history, we're going to make our, our private decisions somewhat public during a press release. You know, I wanted to add one thing about the birther controversy. Nobody sure. complains about Ted Cruz, who was born in Canada, <laughs> of a mother who was born in America, therefore supposedly meeting the requirement of being a natural-born citizen because he's an American by virtue of his mother being someone who was born here. His father was born in Cuba, I think. Now, even if Barack Obama's father, born in Kenya, and even if Barack Obama was born in Kenya and not in America, because his mother was an American citizen born in America, the same logic would hold. Yeah, I think it was the same way for John McCain, if memory serves. or something. Right, but he was born on a U.S. military installation. That's right. That's different. Here we're talking about one person totally accepted who was not born in this country, but his mother was born in America. Right. And therefore, he's a citizen by virtue of that. Whereas with Obama, he was born in Hawaii. But even if the theory was true, it would be the same thing. But little cognitive dissonance going on there. Oh, Um, yeah. They don't even talk about it anymore. But the birther conspiracy still exists. We got a minute left. Oh, wow. Okay, a one-word answer. Disclosure, Trump. <laughs> no. There's my, word, there's my one-word response. No. <laughs> Take that to mean whatever you may. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to disclose anything about Trump. I'm, I know what you mean. I'm just being silly. Go ahead and expose his hair to if you would, though. Yeah, maybe he'll put a bounty of a billion dollars on uh, slam dunk uh, data. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, we, one would hope. <laughs> yeah. Micah, you're always uh, – it's so great to have you on. You're you're one of my all-time favorite guests to have on the show. And much luck in 2016 with the Grayling Report and all your projects and and uh, the musical uh, career and everything. And, and we look forward to having you back. I look forward, as always, to returning. Uh, you guys are wonderful. It's always good to talk and great to wrap up 2015 in good company. Gents, keep up the good work, okay? If our listeners need to get in touch with you, where do they go? Ah, two places, micahanks.com and also graylianreport.com. Info at micahanks.com is the email to reach me. You can find us on Twitter where we're known as the Paracast. Look for the Paracast on Twitter. If you follow Facebook, which I just think is a messy place. My wife spends lots of time in Facebook and 
the interface is from you know where. In any case, we have two Paracast fan clubs, and because of the peculiarities of Facebook, if we want to merge them into one, we have to kill the contents of the other. Can you imagine that? It's just foolish. I even sent a tech support request to Facebook about displaying the wrong icon on listings from our other radio show, The Tech Night Out Live, and they never bothered to respond. Maybe they're off for a couple of years because they stayed over because of the holidays. We have that other special feature of the show called the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.theparacast.com, P-L-U-S.theparacast.com. It's where you subscribe and get the ad-free version of this show. We ditch 41 minutes of network commercials. We offer the After the Paracast podcast exclusive to Paracast Plus subscribers. It's wrap-up, it's color commentary, it's special interviews. We never know from one show to the next what's going to happen, and sometimes it gets pretty wild and pretty woolly, especially when one or both of us is a little bit frustrated about the state of anything. We'll express it there. For long-term subscriptions, we still have the free e-books. So check it out. Go to plus.theparacast.com. Once again, that's plus.theparacast.com. Subscribe month to month. Subscribe for a year, five years, or lifetime. So when I'm walking on the cane and in the wheelchair and can't keep up, we'll still be here. Somehow. Some way. Micah Hanks, thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Always a pleasure, guys. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.